Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Djokovic with two match points, 5-3, 40-15. Looking to get into his 11th Australian Open semi-final. Backhand response by Fritz, sits up for Djokovic to go the off forehand. Backhand up the middle by Fritz. Big off forehand by Novak Djokovic. And the king of Melbourne Park is still alive. Four sets, three hours and 45 minutes into his 11th Australian Open semi-final. Big forehand Sabalenka, just defended back there by Krachikova. A little bit of tape on the way through from Sabalenka. Krachikova went back to the backhand volley. The reflexes of Sabalenka to finish it off were superb at the net. 6-2, 6-3, another emphatic statement from the Australian Open defending champion. Match point, and for a spot in the semi-finals, Sinner serves out wide. Backhand return from Rublev is shallow. And Yannick Sinner comes up to the net, smashes away the forehand volley, and books a spot in the semi-finals of the 2024 Australian Open in the men's singles. Winning in straight sets in two hours and 39 minutes. 6-4, 7-6, 6-3. Yannick Sinner is in to a Grand Slam semi. And for Andre Rublev, it is a 10th attempt, failed at the quarterfinal stage. Kia ora, good morning and welcome into the show. It is SENZ Breakfast with Izzy and Ricardo. And coming up on the show today, Chris Foy to talk rugby out of the UK, ahead of the Six Nations and some big moves. Uh, Richard Cassett's going to tee us up on beach volleyball and tell us the ins and outs, particularly with the Beach Volleyball Series Tour of New Zealand going on at the moment. Shane Jurgensen, former Black Caps uh, bowling coach, now the Firebirds head coach. He's also on with us, as is Bruce Sharrick to talk some. I'm racing, is he? It's a busy old show. Good morning, brother. Good morning, Ricardo. Good morning to you, our SCNZ loyal listeners out there. Yes, I'm just getting excited because that song's just pumping me up. Got the concert today. But first, we've got a big, big show where we're going to be talking sport. And that's what we love to do here on the show. And yeah, big moves out of the UK. But how are you doing, my friend? We're, we're dressed the same. We're light green today. We're on the same memo. 
Mate, we're a bit, we're camo. It's, it's special forces, the <laughs> SCNZ special forces. We're in the old Olive Greens, mate. Old, old Olive Greens. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm good, brother. I'm good. Uh, uh, big day yesterday. Caught up with some friends who moved mm. down to the mountain a while ago. They were up in Auckland, so it was good to see them. Nice. And uh, yeah, otherwise, just getting, for a, uh, getting ready for another big day, mate. Uh, back to the boxing. And, uh, nice. Back to trying to stop being a fat bastard. So yeah, I love, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of work, but we're getting there. It gets a bit like that, Rick Dog. I was very motivated uh, throughout the last four months of last year, and I, I trained right up to the uh, New Year's Eve, and I was in a good mindset. Then I went away camping, and then I tore my hammy. And since then, I've been a bit well, lackluster in the training department. But I've I've booked it in today. Going to go back and and start today fresh and, and get some training back in because I just noticed I was feeling a little bit flat. I was feeling a little bit out of sorts, and oh, I don't know whether it's a diet, because sleep, I was sleeping so well, I was sleeping really good, and I just felt a little bit more motivated um, heading into the new year break, but um, so I've, I've made the decision today's the day, just going to get my A into gear, and start moving well, and, uh, and get some things sorted, because I just know how good I was feeling, so made that decision going to get it done, mate. So that's us. We'll rip into it. SCNZ Breakfast Show. Big year, big changes, big weight movement. Let's go. How, how is the hammy, mate? Have you had any rehab? Oh, the hammy is not too bad. It's only sore when I stretch it. So yeah. when I when I stretch the hammy, that's relatively when I can feel it. Um, I've got to go see my surgeon for my knee tomorrow, so I'll catch up with him then. And then I'll pop in and catch up with uh, John Roach, who was the Crusaders physio. It's actually not as bad. Well, when I say it's not as bad, it is sore, but there's only certain movements where it flares up. Um, I can walk, you know, I can play golf, I can still do certain things. There's just some training movements that I can't do. So we'll get that sorted as long as I can still play golf, mate. That's as the long main as I thing. Can still play. Golf, that's all I'm worried about, because the reality is I don't need to get past 10 kilometres pH per hour, so look, yeah, I'm, I'm happy, I'm happy with it. Yeah, nice, fair, fair mate, fair. Alright, well, let's crack in to triple threat, the three big questions for the day. Round one, five. Yesterday, in the NBA, Joel Embiid scored a career high and franchise record to 70, 70 mm. points to go with 18 rebounds. Uh, for the 76ers as they beat the Spurs 133-123. It's the uh, Philadelphia. They've they've had three players hit 60 points now. Will Chamberlain did it three times in his pomp. uh, And Allen Iverson also did it. But Embiid actually went past Chamberlain's high scoring record of 68, which was set back in 67, uh, and was absolutely on fire. And just down the road in Minnesota, Carl Anthony Towns put 62 on for the T-Wolves in a loss against the, mm. the Hornets. Uh, that's a franchise record for them. And got me thinking, Izzy, those guys just on fire. Mm. But what's, mm. what's the greatest individual performance you've witnessed on the field? So, you know, a teammate <laughs> or an opponent who's just gone bang. Oh, look, that was a day out in the NBA. Joel Embiid. I don't know if you've seen the pre-match press conference when Pop. Pop was ripping into him, talking about Webb and Yama, saying how they're going to get into Joel Embiid's face. I couldn't believe it from Pop, an experienced coach doing that and just firing up Joel Embiid. Well, he made it personal and went out and did that 70 points in a day out 
uh, for for the Clippers and then Anthony Towns was um, you know he was good forty four points in his first half yeah and then they I think they gave away an eighteen point deficit for the number one team in the West which is not ideal but uh, a great down the NBA uh, for me oh it's a good question I've been pretty lucky enough to be able to witness some some sporting freaks out on the park you cannot go past DC. I remember a game in Christchurch when he was just on an absolute heater because he was the only one heating up because it was like minus one here and it was frozen. <laughs> and he actually won the game for us against Ireland. Potentially, I got a yellow card in the last 10 minutes, so I was packing myself. But uh, he kicked the goal. I think he scored oh, maybe 15 on points. He was on fire. But it would have to be for me, against Ireland again, hmm. uh, was Julian Savia's debut. Julian Savia's debut in Auckland. And this is a young kid who gets an opportunity, scores a hat trick. Was that the sixty nil win, or was it was it sixty? Yeah, sixty something. We yeah. we beat we beat them by, but mate, he scored a hat trick after forty five minutes of play, <laughs> and his debut up against Brian O'Driscoll and Co. Like one of the one of the greatest players of all time, and went out there and did it with ease. And I was thinking, okay, this kid's, is this tennis or is this guy going to have a huge future? Well, he nearly went on to break the All Blacks scoring record tries. So for me, it'd have to be Julian Savia, watching him personally up close, do what he does, smashing blokes, a young kid first time out wearing the black jersey, nervous as hell, and goes out and does that. That was probably the the greatest individual uh, performance I've seen from a, a debutante. In fact, but the one I watched was it has to be DC's Lions series mm. game two in Wellington. He scored twenty six points up against the Lions and scored a couple of tries and was just on another planet. I think that arguably will be the greatest performance in a black jersey by an uh, an individual. But personally, be Julian Savia. Julian Savia. All right, there you go. Great, uh, great story. Great story. And uh, um, yeah, what a performance, I think. I'm pretty sure it was 60 nil the final score in that game, and it was just absolutely tore uh, the Irish apart, mate. All right, let's crack in. Round two. Yesterday, news came out. I know Johnny Max had this <laughs> in the news, um, but former world tennis number one Ash Barty confirmed a headline mm. the ambassador lineup for the 103rd New Zealand Open to take place between Feb 29 and March 3, 2024, at Queenstown's Millbrook Resort. She plays off a four, is he? Mm, you reckon you could mm. take her? Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll give it a good go. I'll give it a good crack. I hear she's very, very good at golf. Could, could have potentially turned pro if she went down the track. And I've heard when she was retiring, she was going to give uh, golf a genuine crack. Her partner's a professional, mm. and uh, she lives on a golf course, so she will be very talented. I'm actually playing with that and that with her, and when I saw her name amongst the ambassadors, I was starstruck. And I was starstruck last year when I saw her at Millbrook. She was actually sitting there reading a book. And, and amongst this, uh, the area around Millbrook, there's uh, the hole-in-one um, cafe. There's a little, on, on the putting green there, they've put up marquees and an area where you can just chill out and relax in general public. She was just sitting there reading a book. And I, go, I was looking at her, I was going, is that Ash Barty? Is that Ash Barty sitting over there? And I was starstruck, big time. And so I think everyone caught it on. She was over there watching one of her good friends who was playing in the event with her partner, her husband, sorry, and he was caddying. And then this year they swooped her up. Um, so it's going to be an awesome day. you got uh, Sean Fitzpatrick, Hayden Patton, Stephen Fleming, um, 
you got Andy Lee, the comedian from Australia, Ash Barty, you got Ricky Ponting, mate, you've got a, a hell of a lot of good people, Jeff Wilson, that are going to be a part of it. So looking forward to it. Do I think I can be there? Yeah. Yeah. I think I can be there. Back yourself, mate. Back I think yourself. I can be there. I think I'll outdrive her. Yeah. And I think I'll get a new head. And I think I can rattle her. Yeah. She's okay. only won three grand slams. I think I can get <laughs> 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 Too easy. Too easy. Uh, uh, what do you reckon? Well, it's, I guess the question is. Should we have a bet? No, 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 no. I don't want to go down there. I'm still blonde. Remember? Don't. I don't want to go down there. <laughs> um, but what, the question is: Is she, what tees are you playing off? You're playing off the same tees. So um, she'll be playing off my tees. Yeah. We don't play off the same tees as the pros. The pros play off the black tees. The amateurs, ambassadors all play off. I think they're around the whites. Right. Because Ella Gunson, Ella Gunson's player, former black stick, she's a current cop, and she's a champion. She can hit a good ball. She played last year, and she had to play off the same teams as us. Okay. So Ash Barty would be doing the same. We're, we're, we're equal. We're yeah. equal. She's oh. off a of four, I'm off a of six. We'll probably get the same handicap. And how it all works is you get paired up with a professional, and you play as a team. And uh, you go through, so we get, I got seven shots last year on the seven hardest holes. My pro gets no shots, but the best net score on the hole, that's your team score. You take it away. Uh, so we'll have a little battle. I'll have a little battle with Ash Barty. But yeah. the reality is, Ash Barty's the, the big name. Yeah. She is the big name of the event. So I'm, so, I'm sure Michael Glading and John Hart will be doing everything possible <laughs> to get her to the, uh, to the fourth round. She will no doubt probably be getting a uh, a very good professional. A very good professional. When do you find out who your pro is? You find out uh, Wednesday, the day before the event, or maybe even Tuesday, a couple of days before the event. Right. And uh, look, the reality is, I don't know if they really want ambassadors making uh, the final four <laughs> days. <laughs> I've made day three once. Yeah. And I missed out on day four, I think, by one or two shots. So I was really close. But it is it is so nerve-wracking, mate. Like, day three, I made it, and I teed off in front of 300 people. And it was the most nervous I've ever, ever been. And I didn't help myself because I was a little bit dusty. Went out till one in the morning, but that's all right. Um, but it's a it's such a cool event. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to it, and I'm I'm trying to, well, just hold myself here because Ash Barty, man, what a legend! Particularly after watching, um, you know, her and, and Andre Agassi at the Aussie Open doing what they do, and then, you know, watching the tennis last night. What a game! What a game! We'll get to that a bit later. Uh, Suri and both. Also uh, an ambassador as well, mate. Oh, how did I forget Beefy? Beefy, mate, he's pretty much oh, oh, first name on that list. Beefy, champion, champion. It's going to be a different um, New Zealand Open for for myself personally. Yeah, you know, it's a big week on the Terps. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nothing holding you back. Well, this year I'm going to be uh, clear-minded and and probably the physically the best out of all the ambassadors, apart from Ash Barty. But I think everyone else, you, you enjoy yourself. But beefy champion, he's the only bloke that gets a, a medical clearance to have a cart. <laughs> and I was limping. I was limping around the golf course last year, limping. And Beefy's just got his cart, and everyone's following. He's laughing. I'm like, he's a dagger. How did? Why didn't you not get a cart? And I said. Mate, I'm not seeing both of them. I think the Sir or Lord plays yeah. a big part in that. Sir Israel Dag has a ring to it. When's that happening? 
Never. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. All good. <laughs> no All good. Chance. All right. Let's crack on. I am. Oh, actually, I am knighted. Oh, yeah. I am knighted. Yeah. Yeah. I got knighted in Carcassonne in France. Oh, there you go. When I was when I was doing my travel show with Beaver, we had to travel to France to get knighted, get any recognition. There you yeah. go. There you go. So it is Sir Israel Dag. We'll have to put that in the sh- in the in the show lineup now. Uh, right, Sir Israel Dag for breakfast on SCNZ. Uh, now round three. Uh, Taylor Fritz, who uh, got beat mm. last night by uh, Novak Djokovic, uh, but before he got beaten by Novak Djokovic, he he got through to the quarterfinals, and his girlfriend is uh, some social media influencer I've never heard of before I read the story, but her name's Morgan Riddle, and uh, she bet him that if he won through to the quarterfinals, she would eat a jar of Vegemite. She's she's not an Aussie. She's a Yank. You know, when the, I think the Yanks during the Second World War used to call uh, Vegemite Marmite Axle Grease because it's because <laughs> they thought it was. Uh, and they got to be thinking is there, it's been a, a chat for a long time over a lot of years. Mm. Are you, mm. do, are, do you have a foot in either camp? Are you a Vegemite or are you Marmite? Marmite, mate. Yeah. Marmite, hands down, Marmite. If you eat Vegemite in New Zealand, I, don't, I think you. Got to rip up your citizenship and move out of here, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Am I on the right page here? Like, yeah. who eats Vegemite in this country? Expose yourself right now. <laughs> double eight, double three, oh eight hundred one five zero. Because Marmite, it's ours. It's our, it's our, it's our taste, isn't it? It's, it's our, our taste. taste. Could you eat a jar though? No. <laughs> like, there needs to be some clarity on what she's doing. You don't just get a spoon and. Eat it out of the jar. I can't think of What's anything worse. Oh, riddle? Riddle yourself that. Riddle yourself this. <laughs> you, you, you don't as soon as he dags, just turn into uh, into Batman. <laughs> Dealing with the riddler. You, you don't you don't eat straight out of the jar. Like if you're gonna have it, you gotta have it on toast, you gotta have it with avocado, you gotta sprinkle some some salt and pepper, and you gotta put some um uh, and you gotta have it on bogles. Like you, that's how you have it. You know, like, you know how we used to have it when I was a kid. What? Wheat bix. Get a piece of wheat bix. I've heard this, but I've never tried it. Butter and then marmite, and then you eat it like toast. Oh, you had it last year when I bought it in for you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, did. I did actually. Yeah, you didn't look like you enjoyed that. <laughs> no, well, when I was a kid, my taste buds weren't quite so attuned. Possibly, I used to eat that as a kid all the time. What is the best way to have marmite? What do you reckon? What do you reckon, Rick? Dog? What is the best way to have marmite? Look, it's a particular taste. It's not mm. for everyone. It's quite strong, and you're thinking, hell, this is horrible. My son loves marmite. He eats it all day. What do you reckon the best way to have marmite? I reckon it's got to be toast. It's got to be nice mm-hmm. bread, and it's got to be mm-hmm. tons of butter. So it's like real buttery toast, and then yep. just a smear of marmite just to give it that kick, that flavour. Ooh. Okay, okay, I like that. That, that. That's your that's your plain Jane. Love it. Put it on to- toasting and go for gold. For me, yeah. For me, marmite, mm-hmm. bit of butter on both slices of bread. Okay, marmite, cheese, mm. ready salted chips. Oh, here we go. Squash. Yeah. Bang in the gob. See you later. Marmite cheese chip chips. sandwich. My son loves it. I love it. Family favourite, hands down. See you later. That's the athlete that you are today. It's down, it's down <laughs> to that sort of nutrition. I can see the cricket desk has got his headphones on. Have you got something to add to this Marmite conversation, Robbie? No, not really, to be I, honest. Oh, other, I'm other, glad yeah. I threw you in there. Yeah, then. Exactly. <laughs> no, other, other than, um, yeah, not, not for me. No, not, not for me. 
No. Vegemite? No. Marmite, Vegemite? Neither, neither of them. Also, the um, the the bet that that Morgan made, I, mm. I did see a video, and it was just kind of a spoon, and you know, know. tried a bit, and then gagged. Right. That, the worst way to have it. it. Yeah. The worst way to have it. Like, what's she thinking? Of course, she's not going to like that. And don't expect her to have a Vegemite ambassadorship. Uh, I think they uh, they blew up over there. They weren't quite happy with that. But let us know. Double eight, double three. Marmite Vegemite. Are you a fan? If you're Vegemite, I want to hear from you and tell me why. And is there a but what is the big difference in taste wise? Oh yeah, that's a really good question. Mum, it does taste different, but trying to put your finger because it's so there's so much flavour, it's kind of hard to tell what mm. the difference is. But you can tell a difference, right? So there's barely a difference, but if you like Vegemite, you have to tear up your citizenship. Yeah, yeah. that's so, what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah. Right. When you started yeah, saying yeah. that, I thought. Uh, have you looked up Good the recipe? You're, you're about you're about to tell us what's in the recipe. Marmite, I think, has got animal product in it of some description, and Vegemite doesn't. Hence the name Vegemite. But don't go down that track. Please. <laughs> <laughs> don't cancel us. <laughs> DJ Timmy loves your recipe. Yes, is he? <laughs> and then he said, "Did Ricardo just comment on his athletic physique?" Yes, I did. Yes, I did. That's right. No, Maybe take my shirt off. Come on. Not again. Not again. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it's too early in the morning. It's six twenty-three here on SENZ Breakfast, powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors, and Land Pride attachments. Let us know. Double eight, double three. Marmite, Vegemite, what camp you in, and how do you have it? <sighs> Want to hear from you? Double eight, double three. We back after this. It is 6.29 on SENZ, double eight double three is the text line, thanks to Temper and Bedpost, Temper and Bedpost's um, text machine, double eight double three. want to hear from you, the range of mattresses and adjustable bases, adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort, we're talking Marmite, talking Vegemite, talking sport as well John, yes we'll do that too, uh, but uh, <laughs> we wanted to hear, hear how you do it, uh, morning lads. Marmite, bread, butter, and salt and vinegar chips all day. Sure. Salt and vinegar. That's a nice wee touch. I like that. Yeah. But when there's no ready salt, I'll chuck the salt and vinegar on there and uh, and and triple at it. But it's very good. But I'm thinking, Rick Dog, like, yeah. you got your butter, you got your toast, you got your Vogels, you got your your meal mates. Hey, Marky, I, I was going to say mm. that my meal mates with a cup of tea and, and toasted sandwiches. You got lettuce. You put on with everything with a spread or on bread. But some other creations with Mama. What else is going Well, you come up with a good one. What did your mum do? She used to uh, stir in a spoon into when she was making the gravy. She'd stir like mm. a tablespoon into the gravy as she was making it. Mm. Just get, make it a bit richer, a bit, uh, give it a bit more flavour. Do you reckon they accidentally stumbled upon Mama? I reckon they probably did, eh? Because, you know, like it's not something that you'd be like, wow, that's amazing. I'm going to make, um, put this on toast. Like... <laughs> <laughs> well, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was trying to do a bit of research earlier, which doesn't always happen, but uh, I found out that, because uh, it's actually originally British, Marmite, uh, but Marmite actually is the name of the jars they used to be, because it, it's a French word, and it means like basically an earthenware pot, and so Marmite okay. was the name of the earthenware pots, not what was in it. Ah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. What else did you put Marmite? I've seen him a little Google there. Apparently, you make Marmite chicken. What's Marmite chicken? You put Marmite on some chicken and you get creative with it. Oh. It's not like full, just you know, black chicken that looks like Marmite chicken, but it's got a bit of a taste of it. 
with with my wife. Like it's a particular taste. If you like it and you've had it growing up, you get used to it. Yeah. But obviously, uh, Morgan Riddle, she didn't. She didn't <laughs> like it. But it's not for everyone. But um, yeah, you can get creative with it. Yeah. I'm pretty basic chip sandwich. Yeah, that's me. Bit of Vogel's toast. There you go. Uh, yeah. Mm. You got you got any creative solutions to how to use our Marmite jars? Uh, let us know. Not the jars themselves. That might, that might go a bit sideways. But the, have you got any recipes, uh, any different ways of uh, of eating your Marmite? Let us know. Double eight, double three. Want to hear from you? Meantime, here's Johnny Mac with news for Kubota. Take on any job this summer with Kubota's range. 26 away from 7 on SENZ Breakfast with Izzy and Ricardo. Time for some sports news headlines. It's back to work time at Bunnings and here are some sports headlines for you. Uh, Johnny's covered off most of the tennis but I tell you what, a bit of cricket news around Izzy. The ICC have named their teams of 2023 and New Zealanders feature in all of them. Kane Williamson, the lone Kiwi in the Test 11. Well, Daryl Mitchell waves the flag in the ODI team. But guess, I, I put this to Robbie, he knew, but I wouldn't have guessed this in a million years. Who do you think is the only black cap in the uh, t- ele- the T2011 for 2023? T2011 or 2023? I will go... Phillips. No, no, not Glenn okay. Phillips. Mark Chapman. Yeah. Chapo, yeah. Now, Robbie, Robbie uh, said to me, he said he hasn't had a great uh, home summer. But you reckon he, he uh, mm. uh, what he did over what over in the subcontinent has got him here? Yeah, five hundred and seventy-six runs across the year. It's um, not bad. So, so yeah, it's a bit of bit of recency bias with the with the home summer. I think uh, taking us away from Mark Chapman. But yeah, o- overseas he went real well. Yeah, okay, so there you go, Chappers. Yeah, I wouldn't have picked that, but that's good. Yeah, in the T20 team. Amelie Kerr, she features in both the women's ODI and T20 teams of the year, and uh, Leah Tahuhu is also in the ODI team of the year as well. So Kiwis sprinkled right throughout those teams of the year from the ICC. Uh, New Zealand have kept up their winning run at the Under-19 Cricket World Cup, is he? But only just. They ro- I know. They rolled Afghanistan for 91 <laughs> <laughs> but I reckon that pitch, that, I haven't seen any of the action, but that pitch must have been doing a bit, mate, just quietly, because uh, the Kiwis got over the line at one wicket left, 22 overs in hand, so plenty of time to do it, but they were 92 for nine. Matt Rowe, the best of the bowlers, taking five for 21 from eight. The match has set the record for the lowest combined runs total in the competition's history. It is crazy. The wickets over there must be, must be tough. I'm looking at Australia taking on Namibia. They bowled them out for 91 and they won by uh, four wickets. They got 95 for six. Well, it must be tough over there. Yeah, but, I mean, you, you remember the last game we played was against Nepal, and they put on 260, chasing down 310. So yep. I know. It's rocks and diamonds. Rocks and mm, diamonds. Yeah, yeah, there's some competitive nature over there, but that's uh, Matt Rowe. He's going good. He looked like a good quality bowler. Uh, from from the Palmerston North area, so looking forward to to watching this play out. Yeah, I, li- I, I like how you can't say Manawatu; you just say Palmerston North area. It's yeah. the Hawks' bane, yeah. 
It's the Hawks bang. That's what it is. Uh, it's all changed at the Philadelphia Eagles. Offensive coordinator Brian Johnson's the latest assistant ousted from Nick Sirianni's coaching staff. The Eagles are also set to part ways with defensive coordinator Sean Desai and defensive play caller Matt Patricia in what constitutes a staff overhaul for Sirianni, who's come under scrutiny after Philadelphia's late season collapse. Now, the Eagles, is he, were sitting at 10-1 and one and were the shortest price favourites to win the NFC Championship. And then they went and lost six of their last seven, including being eliminated in the playoffs at the first hurdle by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, what happened there? They, Wheels they just fell, fell off. Yeah, yeah, they just fell apart, man. It was it was crazy to watch. But all the eyes were on Jalen Hurts after he signed that huge deal. And now we're seeing them bundle out. Jason Kelsey... You know, or, or signs are saying he's going to retire. Well, he looks like he's retired already with the way he's carrying on at the, the Kansas City game. It's shirt off and minus four degrees, like crazy. But he was yeah, on the pants blue ribbons though, so that'll keep you warm on the inside. He's in good nick though, big man with good nick. Not, not bad, not bad at all. Bunnings Trade can help you get back uh, to work with amazing value on a huge range. There you go, some sports news headlines. We did ask you for some recipes on Marmite, things you use Marmite for outside of just spreading on toast with chips like Izzy does. Mm. A number of people... I can't, I can't. I can't, Rick Dog. Like, I've seen this come through, Rick, and I'm thinking, nah, you're having a laugh, like... Banana and Nutella on toast? Beautiful. You know, you, you get that going. That is sugar on sugar. Let's get it. But Marmite and banana. Okay, so there's a couple come through. Marmite banana sandwiches. Sounds crazy, but you've got to try This from DJ Tim. Peel banana, add Marmite. Great. Marmite and banana on toast or in a sammy from Roger. So there's a couple of you saying... Banana and Marmite. And I'm going to write this down, and I'm going to have one, because I can't see it. Can't well, see it. There, there was, if, if I hadn't seen it from multiple sources, I would have said, yeah. this is somebody just trying to, st- trying to get us to try something that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to. Yeah, but there's three different people have come back with that one, so it's, uh, it's interesting. Also, uh, Jimmy's saying, perfect uh, in the mix when you're making homemade pies. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, thanks for that, that, Jimmy. Yeah, uh, and Mark uh, from Pukekohe has said slow smoke beef cheeks for four hours. Uh, the boat in a beef stock, sweet baby ray barbecue sauce, salt, pepper, onion, garlic, celery, carrots, and two tablespoons of marmite for another four hours on the barbecue. Phenomenal pulled beef cheeks. Oh, okay, okay. You sold me on that one. I'm all over yeah. that. I'm all over there. I'm all over there. And Richie, I don't know if I can get through this one. Rick Dog, I don't know. I, I love luncheon. I love luncheon. Yeah. It's a, it's a childhood favourite, you know, when the luncheon comes home from the supermarket with mum and there's half a kilo of luncheon it disappears with four loaves with me and my brothers and sisters. But Marmite and luncheon between two slices of toast, Richie. Just Marmite and luncheon with butter. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I'm thinking add a bit of tea sauce in there just to spice it up a bit more. Oh, yeah. Do you, do you need tea sauce if you've got the Marmite, or is the Marmite doing the tea sauce job? Uh, 
I think you can edit it. Why okay. don't we try it? All right, we'll give it a nudge. We'll give it a nudge. I'll tell you what, making me hungry this morning. We want to hear from you about your Marmite, uh, your Marmite <laughs> challenge. Uh, how do you have it? What's the best way? Let us know. Double eight, double three. It is 19 away from seven here on uh, SENZ Breakfast. Powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors, and land pride attachments. Call us anytime, 0800 150 811 or text us double eight double three. It is 14 away from 7, Izzy. And, uh, yeah, Jimmy suggesting cheese and Marmite on toast. Do you, do you toast the cheese so it melts or are you just having yeah. cold-cut Marmite. cheese on the on Yeah, Marmite. Marmite cheese toasties. You just put them – they're like um, mousetraps. Ah, oh, yeah. Mousetraps, yeah, they're so good. So good. Can there's a Marmite on toast? Cut it out, Ed. <laughs> cook, cook the toast <laughs> – Butter it, add kinners, find a jar of marmite, put it in the trash and add more kinner. Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, mate. Oh, oh, good work, Ed. Good. Thank you. That's, that's nice. Let's give it, us, give it us a laugh, mate. Give it us a laugh. I'll tell you who's not laughing, mate, is the, uh, is the, is the kicker for the Green Bay Packers, mm. right? Mm. Mr. Couple of opportunities. Yeah. And uh, Robbie is, uh, I don't know if you know this, but Robbie's actually, uh, family's from Wisconsin. So he's a Packers fan. And uh, he, f- he follows the Packers pretty pretty closely. And fair to say that the uh, the Packers kicker has not been embraced by the fans. No, no, not really. Uh, yeah, missed that kick to, um, to tie up the game. And yeah, Packers 45 minutes ago put out a post saying, we never take the support we get for granted. Thank you to the best fans in the NFL. Fair enough. Nice post to sort of end off the season. They did all right, all things considered. It wasn't the best start to the season. But anyway, yeah, people in the comments, we have a bright future ahead of us, in brackets, get rid of Carlson. Uh, Amazing season, in brackets, send Carlson to China. Yeah, it basically goes on. So it's a... a People like the season, but uh, yeah, that well, moment. A lot, a lot of people encouraging him to travel. Somebody wanted him to go to Afghanistan, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. They 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 want him. They want him far away from Green Bay, basically. That is um, sad. Man. Yeah, I saw it on his face when he missed that kick, and it was a good strike. Just hit it in the wrong angle. The wind was going the opposite direction. Just must shave the left hand upright, and oh man, you get that. They draw it up. Go to OT and. Well, yeah, mind you, I mean, any game. the Bills kicker will be feeling the same way, won't he? Yeah. The one that drifted to the right yeah, again. You wouldn't, you wouldn't want to be a kicker. It's like, you know, pe- people do say, you know, it's it's one of the easiest jobs because you're not on it as ain't. much. But yeah. in terms of high-pressure moments, you miss something like that, the whole franchise can be against you. So, yeah, yeah, no no thanks. No thanks. When so. you think about it, you've got pressure moments, shot clock, you got, uh, you know, a couple of blokes that are uh, giants running at you to, to dive at your knees, and then you're kicking it off the turf. You're not even off a tee. You're kicking it off the turf with a bloke holding it with his finger. Like, it, it, there are so many variant moving parts involved with kicking. It ain't the easiest job. It ain't the easiest job. People will only remember that kick because he missed it. Did you do much kicking in your career, Izzy? I'm, I'm thinking you, you didn't because you tend to have blokes like DC in your team. But Well, he kicked that uh, one into the cooler. <laughs> oh, don't. Robbie. <laughs> I, got paid out. I got paid out for that last week. That was my first ever promo I did for the All Blacks. I was young, fresh kid, and I got thrown into the deep end to do a, a TV ad, and it was horrible acting for my behalf. Uh, but, yes, I did. Ricardo, get serious. I did have a little bit of a kick. I was talking to Louis yesterday. He said, you kicked a couple of goals, didn't you? I said, yeah, I kicked one in 2016 from halfway against Argentina. And Bowden Barrett before the game said, mate, give me a kick. Give me a kick if you get an opportunity. Because Bowden can kick it from 48 out. Easy. 
And I said, give me a kick if there's an opportunity. He throws me the ball against Argentina. We're losing seven-something. And um, Karen Reid looks at me. He's our captain. He goes, what are you up to? I said, no, I'm good, I'm good. The reason I got asked him to give me a kick, I was trying to go overseas. And when you can kick goals, your contract can go through the roof. So I just said, can I kick, kick a goal? <laughs> my agent told me to kick a test match goal. So I kicked one from 48 out. And I went straight down the middle. Lucky I kicked it because Rito, I didn't even tell our captain that I was going to kick. And I had a kick. <laughs> so yeah, I used to kick a bit. <laughs> oh, that is outstanding. That, that's um, who was the who was the was it Joe Roth, the Aussie that had the big boot? Who was the Aussie that yeah, had the Joe big Roth. boot? Yeah, you very good kicker. Yeah, yeah. So that, that that's his sort of territory. Forty eight. Yeah, look, I was forty eight. Not bad. Fifty five, probably a stretch, but mm. had, had, I used to have a crack. I used to kick a bit. I remember I, 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 school days, slightly different. I know, less, less pressure. But we, there was a kid that I went to school with, Troy Armapew, who was a big kid, even even for, you know, for intermediate school, he was just about six foot tall. Uh, and he could drop kick the ball from one end of our rugby field to the other. He, was, he just had a super boot on him, just crazy, yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, there's a couple out there. He can kick. Because yeah. I was going to say to you, you, I was going to bring this up earlier, actually, when you were talking about Ash Barty and we were, we were having that golf chat, and you mm-hmm. were saying about teeing off in front of 300 people, and I yeah. was thinking to myself, surely you've kicked a goal in front of more people than that. What's the how, How's the pressure different? Well, I know where that rugby ball is going to go. It's going to go somewhere thereabouts <laughs> towards those goalposts. Mm. That white golf ball can go from anywhere straight down the middle from – Anywhere 78 metres to the right into the houses, into these million-dollar houses. Like, that's the pressure. I know where the rugby ball's going. I can catch a rugby ball. I can play rugby. I think I can play golf. But when it goes awfully wrong, mm. goes awfully wrong. That's why I was more nervous. Goes wronger. Goes <laughs> <laughs> wronger. Wronger. The wronging. No, mate, I'll tell you not all about wronger. I was pl- I played years ago. Like I don't play much golf anymore, but I played years ago, and it was uh, an Ambrose tournament, and it was just at uh, the Pakaranga Golf Club, and there was a there's a par three, and it runs parallel to the road, mm. and it's quite a, it's a real busy road down the bottom Cascades, uh, and <laughs> either it's just pitching wedge or something off the tee, boom. And I clear sliced it, mate. But it wasn't just a slice. It like went at ninety degree angle, and it went instead wow. of going, you know, in front of you. It went straight to the right, across the road, across traffic, and landed in somebody's garage. It's like literally went ninety degrees. <laughs> it's like it couldn't couldn't yeah. have gone. Yeah, I mean, if it had gone backwards, it would have been. Oh yeah, the, I, uh, I know what you're saying. That's when you give up. That's when you give I, up. I have given up, mate. Yeah, I gave up years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about that. <laughs> seven away from seven. Keep your text rolling through. Double eight, double three. We'll get to more of those next. A couple of minutes away from seven o'clock here on SENZ Breakfast. A few more texts through. Uh, Scott Titarangi has outed himself. Happy New Year, boys. Marmite. Don't you mean Vegemite? Scotty. Mm, Scotty, come on, mate. Don't be doing that. Don't be doing that. Look, look, I'll be completely honest, Robbie. There isn't a hell of a lot of difference, but I'm patriotic and I'll go with Marmite. <laughs> Vegemite's an Australian, Australian brand. Marmite's yeah. Kiwi. Well, it used to be English, now Kiwi brand. Sanitarium make it. So there you go. That's that's the difference, Scotty. You must have missed that chat earlier. Is he saying that uh, if you go Marmite, you pretty much need to rip up your citizenship? <laughs> yeah, get out of here. Get out of here. So what's What's going on, mate? What's going on? Uh, coming up on the show, uh, we've got uh, 
uh, a few guests coming up in the next hour, including Chris Foy, who's the head rugby writer for the Daily mm. Mail uh, in England. Uh, news that uh, Owen Farrell's moved to France is he an interesting stand? Means no Owen Farrell in the England team ever. Yeah, that's that's a, a different English side. Uh, look, I think it'll be good for them. Yeah, a different direction. Um, you know, Steve Borthwick's coming out saying England needs a different mindset in the competition. Does that mean we're going to see an expansive England side potentially led by Marcus Smith in the 10 role? We know how creative he is, but he's been, you know, controlled in the way he plays. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a different makeup. The past six, six nations, they have had a 50% win ratio, two fifth places for a powerhouse of world rugby. So, mm. yeah, looking forward to chatting to Chris Foy about that. Yeah, and we're also going to, uh, we're bringing back learnings, and we're going to learn all about beach volleyball later in this, uh, in the next hour as well. So stay tuned for that. Here's Johnny Mack with news for Kubota. Take on any job this summer with Kubota's range. It's five past seven here on Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast on SENZ. It is also Tradies Hour with Night and Day. Start your morning with a hell of a coffee from just $4.50 at your local Night and Day. Coming up on the show, Chris Foy, head rugby writer from the Daily Mail, not too far away. We're also going to bring back learnings. We'll do that every Wednesday at around 7.40. Uh, today, Richard Cassatt from uh, Beach Volleyball New Zealand. He's an Olympic beach volleyball referee and the main organiser of the beach volleyball tour that is currently going on around New Zealand. After 8 o'clock, Shane Jurgensen, former Black Caps bowling coach, now the head coach of the Firebirds. Uh, we'll talk to him. He's got a big game coming up against the Kings uh, to see who gets to play the Aces in the Super Smash final. Paulie Mawadi, of course, around 8.30 as well. And Bruce Sharrick is going to join us for Love Racing at around 8.40. So all of that to come your way on the show today. Uh, we have been uh, asking for your recipes using Marmite outside of just chucking it on uh, a bit of bread uh, with some cheese and some and some potato crisps like uh, like Izzy does. Uh, so keep those rolling through, double eight, double three. Lots of people going on Marmite and banana on toast. You have to give that a nudge. We'll have to try it. Chris Foy might have a take on this. Uh, here's the head rugby writer out of the Daily Mail in the UK. Chris, how do you have your Marmite? Well, do you know what? I just had some the other week for the first time in ages. Yeah, I, I saw it somewhere. I thought oh, I fancy a bit of that, and it's—I don't know—it's all right. I just have it on toast. No, no, no uh, great revolutionary uh, plan for what to do with it. But uh, the rest of my family think it's absolutely disgusting, and they're horrified. But uh, I don't mind it. It's all right. <laughs> oh, mate! Uh, thank you. Thanks for chipping in there. About as disgusting and horrified as Zach Mercer is about Steve Borthwick's England squad. <laughs> Yeah, I interviewed him about a month ago and uh, he he was very much looking forward to having half a chance of getting his way in there. And I mean, the guy has come back from France where he was sort of lord and master of all he surveyed. He, he went over and played for Montpellier, tore the place up. They loved him. He won player of the season. Montpellier won the league. Everyone thought he was amazing. He came back and everyone just thought he would ride straight into the England squad, probably straight into the England team. And it's just not worked out. It's just not gone at all to plan for him. So ditched out of the World Cup training squad, had to sit and watch the tournament, got injured early after joining Gloucester. Gloucester down the bot near the bottom of the league. He's not playing. Finally gets fit again and still not wanted by Steve Borthwick. So, yeah, I, I can understand he's a bit grumpy and he's very sort of slightly throwing the toys out of the pram. But, you know, not good luck to him. I, I don't mind that. He's uh, He's a bit fed up and he said his piece, so that's fine. 
What, what is the reasoning behind that uh, admission there, Chris? Because I've watched him when he played for the Barbarians and under Chris uh, Razor Ray Robinson and very talented. But is there is there a personal grievance from him? I, I don't so much think it's personal, although Steve Borthwick's going to want his, play, his team to play in a certain way. You know, every coach... Every coach is going to set up with a slightly different balance. And England wants someone with a bit more punch at eight. Mm. I think part of it is that the team he was playing in when he did so well at Montpellier, I mean, their pack is absolutely monstrous. So he could just sort of tuck in behind these huge other forwards they had. And they were doing the grunt work up the middle, allowing him to sort of hang around that in the wide open spaces and, and, and run around and show off his pace, show off his skills. He's incredible out in those wide channels, but England, I think, wants someone to sort of go through the guts of the opposition a bit as well. And I mean, it's it's frustrating for him partly because England don't have uh, Billy Vunapola in the squad now, and he was the sort of kingpin in that position for a while. They've had a few injuries. Uh, Tom Willis, who was seen as someone who could come into the mix, has joined Saracens, and he's he's been injured. So he probably thought there was a you know another opening there, and instead they've recalled Alex Dombrant the Harlequins captain, who uh, is sort of absolutely a bona fide number eight, a specialist. But Steve Borthwick seems to have doubts about him in the last Six Nations, but he's played his way back into it. And I just don't think with the balance Steve Borthwick wants in his pack of the size and sort of shape in different positions that Mercer quite fits. And, And sadly for him, I just think he could play the house down for Gloucester and it probably just doesn't make any difference, which, you know, is disappointing because he's got X factor. He's got something, you know, he could, uh, the way it's going, he could, he could probably go off and qualify to play for someone else because I'm trying to think of many countries he qualifies for, including New Zealand. Yeah. Well, speaking of <laughs> New Zealanders, there's one that's been made, uh, been a part of the, the training squad and his name is Ethan Roots. He's Exeter Chiefs. He's played for the Crusaders, Tasman, Markle down here. What would you make of his inclusion in the squad? Like, it was big news over here in, in New Zealand. I'll be completely honest here. When Steve Borthwick name-checked him about three weeks ago, there was probably a hell of a lot of quick sort of Wikipedia activity um, mm. while everyone hurriedly got up got up to speed because he, <laughs> he'd sort of gone, he'd gone under the radar. Look, he, he, he sort yep. of moved over from Wales. He's gone under the radar a bit when everyone had gone into sort of World Cup mode pre-season going into the tournament. All of us who sort of cover the game were busy, uh, you know, over in France covering the tournament. And he had sort of made his mark within the uh, on the England setup in terms of what he was doing at Exeter. And it was sort of off the radar a bit for everyone else. So when Borthwick name-checked him, everyone was a bit taken aback and was sort of scrambling to get up to speed with the backstory and what he's been up to and had, had seen little bits and pieces in games but didn't really know the story. So it's it's funny. It's one of those where Steve Borthwick named him. There's a mad scramble for everyone to sort of uh, get to know all about him and next thing Exeter put him up for interview and suddenly he's talking about being a cage fighter and whatever. So he's he's a good lad and he's got a tale to tell. And and, and look, they love him. They think, they think he's... Uh, Borthwick told a story that Richard Hill is the England manager who was a World Cup winner in 03 and bat rower, knows a bat rower a mile off. And he just said, he called Borthwick over in the team hotel in France while they were there at the World Cup. And he showed him a clip of Ethan Roots playing in a Premiership Cup game, which is not the highest quality sort of standard, if you like. It's used as a, a development competition. But he said to Borthwick, 
just for two minutes, watch this tape, watch this guy. And after two minutes, Borthwick just said, blimey, this bloke's got it. They just love his work rate. They love his aggression, his energy, getting up off the floor, making more tackles, smashing everything in his way. They just really liked him straight away. So they've just kept a close eye on him. And um, once, you know, once he'd been name checked and they'd had their eye on him, that was it. It, it was no surprise that he was named in the squad. But if you'd rewound two months, none of us had the foggiest idea that he was going to be in the mix, to be honest. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, interesting story, that one that's come through. We're look, uh, looking forward to seeing uh, what he does in the white jersey, mate. It's going to be interesting to see how uh, that team operates with now no, Owen Farrell off, uh, of course, to France now. So does that mean his England career is done i think so i mean you can't say a hundred percent i i think so there, there was a bit of chat of it was interesting Rassing put out a statement on monday night saying he signed and initially it sounds like they put out a statement saying three years then they hurriedly changed it to two years um and obviously uh, a, a man in his 30s at that stage of his career is quite pertinent whether it's two or three years officially it's two whether or not he has the option to extend, and that might be something to do with it, that it's two years with an option of another one. Um, I would say he's probably done with England, but you know, it's it's one of those where if he if he rips it up in in the top fourteen with Racing, surrounded by all their superstars, um, certainly in the Lions context, he might not be quite done. Um, whether they might have a have a think about calling him up, or or maybe even calling him out late on the next tour um, and then you would sort of struggle to see him with England again and they should really they should make a big effort to move on and it's not nothing against him but they sort of need a new era a new identity uh, a new sort of backline dynamic and they've been going backwards and forwards with Farrell at 10, Farrell at 12, George Ford at 10 alongside him, ran around his circles with that for so many years that they probably just need to have a new, have a new vision and crack on with that, to be honest. So the problem, the problem they have without Owen Farrell is that they also have Manu Tulangi injured. And we have just discovered about an hour ago that Ollie Lawrence is injured and he was probably going to be playing 12 at the start of the six nations. So they don't. I would imagine right now they're sat there with a blank sheet of paper and probably don't have a clue what they're doing. Steve Borthwick has come out and said England need a different mindset. Are you able to elaborate on that? Is, are we going to see a different, expansive England game game um, game style, or what? What do you take from that comment? I would love to say yes. <laughs> we ask him. <laughs> we ask him so often. I mean, I think. I'd, I'd love to sort of show you a clip of every time we ask a question about style, about sort of playing ambition and whatever. I mean, we, we were we were with him yesterday in Dublin for the Six Nations launch. Yet again, he's asked about style and, and, and he does well not to sort of just growl at you in response. Essentially, he wants, uh, whenever he's pushed on this, he said, I want to get the Twickenham crowd excited because we're we're playing hard, we're fighting, we're battling, we're never giving up. And all those sort of earthy, you know, down-to-earth qualities about guts and determination and so on. And, of course, what everyone really means is, are you going to chuck the ball wide and score some tries? And <laughs> I, I think I think the reality is no. Um, for, in the short term, I think they will remain quite pragmatic. I think they will start to try and gradually build up layers over time but he's already set his stall out saying they've only got three absolutely full meaningful training sessions in camp before they play their first game of the six 
Six Nations. So I would take that as very obvious code for don't expect us to revolutionise the game in a hurry. Um, so I would imagine you'll see the ball in the air quite a lot again. So, you know, sort of settle in for some of that. And um, they might occasionally get it out wide and, and play in the final third. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to be a sudden miraculous overhaul. It will be steady, steady, steady trying to build it up over time. And it, it, it must be hoped that they do build it up because they've named quite an exciting squad. There's some good guys in there. There's some, there's some talent and there's a lot of guys from Northampton and Bath and both those clubs are playing brilliant rugby. They're, Northampton are playing the sort of rugby that if it was on TV in New Zealand, New Zealanders would watch it. It's exciting. They're really ripping it up. They're playing really well. That is expansive. That is creative and fascinating to watch. So there's a lot of hope outside of the camp, if you like, that England embrace some of that. But I think it's probably going to be a slow process. Yeah, we've got the Six Nations kicking off, uh, not this weekend, next weekend. And I you know, looked through Rugby Pass, looked through a bunch of websites, and pretty much every story is this player's out, that player's out, this player's injured, that player's not going to be able to play. Uh, you think that Antoine Dupont, uh, Johnny Sexton now, and Farrell are all missing. Is this the most open Six Nations in a while? It is, but I mean, we go around in circles with this. I mean, first of all, yes, there are a lot of players missing, but that is just the sort of the sad reality of the very demanding week after week after week European season, certainly in England and France. I mean, Ireland are very smart at how they rest and manage their players centrally, centrally organised by the union that, you know, uh, again, a bit like the Kiwi system, they got more control over it. So that that's probably a smarter way of running it. England and France are at the mercy of how the club game pummels the hell out of their players. I mean, the worst thing is they name squads and then they have to sit there and watch them play Champions Cup weekends where, the top end games in that competition are pretty ferocious, especially with the South African sides in there too now. Um, and there's always this sort of desperate count through the casualties after the last weekend, and they're all going into camp, you know, with sort of bits hanging off them, um, and 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 everyone hoping they can be patched up in time. The, the crying shame for the Six Nations is no Dupont, and I, I get the bigger picture of. Uh, um, wanting to be part of the sevens, go to the Olympics. But, I mean, the man is an unbelievable genius, as you've all seen. We've all seen for so many years. Like, his performance last weekend, I mean, he's just doing it all the time. I I watched uh, Toulouse play at Harlequins the other week, and he came in to do interviews afterwards. And it, I would say probably only Khaleesi anywhere could match it in terms of it just felt like this sort of absolute superstar with the aura around him was in was in you know everyone's presence, if you like, and there were people clamouring to look in through the windows to see him, and there were masses of people queuing up outside to take pictures, and you know it doesn't matter he's a visiting player and what he's done to the home team, they just love him, they absolutely love him. He's a he's a megastar. I mean, it's just off the chart. So that's disappointing for the Six Nations, but it is open. Uh, I would say it's a lot of it immediately is going to hinge on. The first game, which is, you know, straight in at the deep end, France against Ireland in, in Marseille. Two teams that are very angry about not, not having the World Cup they thought they were going to have. And that should be amazing. I mean, that's a great way to start the tournament. That that essentially could be the title decider on the first night. So uh, you've got to think it'll be one of those two teams who win it. Wales are bullish. Warren Gatland saying don't write us off, but he's got a, a squad full of children. And um, England are in a bit of a transitional phase. Um, Scotland a bit unpredictable, but they have Finn Russell who could beat anyone 
Um, you know, it's, it is it is quite open, but it's got to be one of France Ireland. So you would think night one, whoever wins that, and France are probably favourites at home, that's probably going to set the set the tone for the whole thing. So hopefully there's still a few twists and turns in it, and there probably always will be. What are our expectations in regards to Ireland? This is an Ireland team that will be without Johnny Sexton, and it's been a very long time since I've been out with Johnny Sexton. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's sort of the thing about Ireland is that like it is so significant that he's not there anymore. Like he's mm-hmm. such a big presence and you know such a competitive bloke, the orchestrator of this Leinster machine that that basically provided the whole backbone of the Ireland team. But they sort of carry on. I mean, they went and absolutely dismantled Leicester at Welford Road last weekend. They are still roaring along in the same way. And I think part of the thing about Ireland is it's always been this sense of they've got superstars, but it's all about how they knit them together. They're just really well coached and really efficient, really smart. It's, you know, they put so much time into developing how they play and it's so meticulous, so detailed. It, it built up through Joe Schmidt, Andy Farrell's taking it on Leinster with Lancaster when he was there. Now Nianaba there. They sort of act in unison with the national team and just provide this sort of production line of really well-drilled combinations of players. And so I think they will sort of be all right because they always have such well, well-drilled combinations that come into camp sort of ready-cooked, if you like. Mm. Um, but it's still interesting. It's still interesting. They have still lost the absolute creative heartbeat there. And there's also a few players who might be reaching that tipping point age-wise, and you wonder if they go over the hill, whether they've got enough behind them. But in general, the Irish system is incredibly healthy. And, and you, I mean, I remember going to Dublin last year when England went there to play Ireland, and they had a schools final on. And there were just thousands and thousands of people at this schools final. And they were all pouring out in the streets around the, the ground in Dublin. And you're just looking at these lads. They all look like they go to the gym. They all look like rugby players. You just think this is the next lot. This is the next lot. And the Dublin school system just churns out players, and they're all brilliant. So, um, so yeah, like I, I, I think they will probably be okay, but it will still be interesting yeah. whether they have a a five percent drop off because they lose that sort of that sort of experience and that magic and just that reassurance of his presence. It'll be interesting, but they should still be right in the mix. They're still a very good side. Chris, just before we let you go, we had a text come through from Brian. He's asked a question um, regarding Owen Farrell. And uh, mm. I know this is going back a bit, but uh, if he's not playing for England, but is still running around playing at top 14 in France, is he eligible for the Lions in 2025? I know I know the coach of the yeah. Lions is probably a bit of a fan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, uh, what, what I would say on that is, uh, any time there's any focus on the family link there, it, it becomes so uncomfortable. And you're talking to the person who, of course, raised it when we saw Andy Farrell a couple of weeks ago when he was announced at the, uh, at the, as the Lions head coach, and he didn't like it when I asked him. And, and he, he, basically, he basically told me to move on. And he still has a look about him that, you know, he could kill you if he wanted to. And... Um, <laughs> and, and and he basically said, uh, there's nothing to see here. And I, I pushed on through and asked him the question anyway about his son's plans and about the Lions and what have you. And in the end, Owen Farrell is eligible. If he is playing, if he is fit, if he's playing well, he is eligible. The The problem is not to do with any policy. The problem is the fact that 
the French season goes on about 11 and a half of the 12 months of the year. And if the Lions pick a squad to be ready to go to Australia and to get ready together, and for once they've got the Premiership on side saying you can have our players when you want them rather than them being at war with the Premiership. So all the players based in in the Premiership and the URC sides will all be available for a little training camp before they go, and they might actually be ready for once. So what they can't have is players coming from France bashed up after a playoff campaign and maybe only going out there a week or two after the rest of them and joining a squad, uh, joining a tour that's already partly underway. So I would say if Racing are in the mix to win the title or what have you in France, uh, it probably just counts against Owen Farrell because he can't miss two or three games, then turn up and try and fit in. Now, there'd still be the chance of a late call-up if there's injuries or whatever, but I'd say that might work against him rather than a policy against it. Mm. Good stuff, Chris. All right, mate. Hey, listen, thanks very much awesome. for coming on. I uh, appreciate your your input, mate, and uh, and also uh, you keeping uh, keeping true to, to Marmite, uh, despite what the family says. <laughs> I'll have some tomorrow morning in your honour. Oh, Good great stuff. Good stuff. Chris Foy there from <laughs> the Daily Mail. is the, uh, the head rugby writer there. Uh, you're listening to SENZ Breakfast, powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors, and land pride attachments. What did you think of that? Double eight, double three. What did Chris Foy, what Chris Foy had to say about Owen Farrell, about the Lions, and about the Six Nations? Keen to hear from you. Double eight, double three. We'll come back with your texts after this. It is 7.30, just about time for the latest in news of sport with Johnny Mack. It is tradies hour as well, so make sure you warm yourself up with a hell of a coffee starting at just $4.50 from your local night and day. Still to come this hour, we are going to be talking beach volleyball as well. I want your uh, reaction to what Chris Foy had to say about the Six Nations and Owen Farrell. What did you make of that, uh, particularly around Owen Farrell and eligibility, is he? It was good good chat. Yeah, it would be uncomfortable before Andy Farrell, because the reality is, if he picks him, everyone will start thinking family favourites. You know, it'll go down that 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 line in terms of the conversations. But if he's playing well, and he's going to be playing well for Racing ninety two, then there's no reason why he shouldn't be a part of that. And the eligibility for the Lions series, yeah, I love it. Yeah. I love it how there's inclusion from everyone. It's sad to think that he potentially won't be playing in the England jersey again and. Uh, all signs are alluding to just the mental, the mental side of how he felt and how he was um, dealing with a lot of the uh, situations he was putting himself into and his family. So, yeah, it's a big loss. It's going to be a different English outfit. Who's going to take the role at 10, George Ford or Marcus Smith? You know, if George Ford is a part of that team, we know they're going to be kicking and winning goals in threes, uh, winning games in threes. Marcus Smith, um, whether he'll be giving the full reins to play an expensive game. So... A different English side who have struggled as of late, uh, last p- past six Six Nations 50% win ratio. Um, but yeah, look, different mindset. Will we see it? We'll have to wait and see. Yep. Texas double eight double three was your thoughts. Here's Johnny Mack with news for Kubota. Take on any job this summer with Kubota's range. 26 away from 8 on SENZ Breakfast with Izzy and Ricardo. Ken Tire are making back to work trade easy. Here's some sports news headlines for you. The so-called Battle for LA will be missing one of its key characters today. Lakers star LeBron James has been ruled out because of a left ankle injury. The Lakers are 22 
and 22, they're ninth in the Western Conference standings, but they're two zip against their city rivals, the Clippers, who are currently fourth in the West with a 27 and 14 record. James is in the midst of the most dominant campaign for a player in his 21st season in NBA history, averaging 24.8 points, 7.4 assists, and 7.2 rebounds. He's shooting at 52% from the field as well, and 39% from three-point range. It'll be James's fifth missed game this season. The Lakers are two and two without the King. It's a, it's a. You look at the Western Conference and you look at that top eight. It's a different looking top eight. Mm. You got the Thun, uh, Timberwolves that are, are top of the top of the league in in the West, and you got the Thunder. How long since the Thunder have been up competing for a, for a, a Western Conference? It's different, man. You got Clippers. You got the Pelicans at six. You got the Kings seven, and you got uh, the Mavericks running out the eight. I picked the Suns at the start of the season. Well, they're on a bit of a streak at the moment. Uh, they're a six-win streak. Wow, where are they, where are they sitting in the mix? They're in fifth. Fifth, and the Golden Who's State Warriors. Go? Golden State Warriors are twelfth. Yeah, they're out the back, man. They're out the they're back. Out. They're not even in the play-in picture. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, struggling. I'm Celtics all day. You know that, and Celtics are tearing it up in the East. Three three games clear at the top in the East. So mm, we'll have to yeah. see. Yeah, yeah, but Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, nah, I don't think they got it. Well, you don't think they got it? <laughs> Mate, that's, that's, they absolutely murdered the Bucks last time they played them. So yeah, oh well, we'll see. We'll see. It's a long way to go. It's a long season. Uh, West Ham have reached an agreement with Manchester City to sign England midfielder Kelvin Phillips on loan. Phillips has made just 31 appearances for Manchester City since a 45 million pound transfer from Leeds 18 months ago. And Pep Guardiola has admitted he cannot envisage the player in his team. 28-year-old now looks set to leave the Etihad on a temporary basis, although there is an option for the Hammers to buy him permanently as well. The oh. players just don't fit, eh? Just don't fit. Mm. Uh, and uh, the other story that's coming out of football is Mo Salah, the big Liverpool star. His injury is worse than first feared as a scan revealed a proper tear in his hamstring, which could keep him out of action for a month. Salah was initially ruled out for just two games by Egypt after sustaining a muscle injury in their tool draw with Ghana uh, last Friday at the Africa Cup of Nations. But Salah will now return to Liverpool to begin intensive rehabilitation after an agreement was reached between the Premier League club and the Egyptian FA. Aston Villa still going reasonably well. Mm, yeah, yeah they are. They're, they're, they're the smoky this season, mate. They are the West smoky. Ham, Brighton, a couple of faces in teams you don't usually see chomping at the top of the table, and you go well down, and you go well down, and it is sad for your Manchester United. What's this, your Manchester given, United? You I've told, me, up. You told me you were a fan. I was reading something the other day. It was funny. I got... Caught up. It was that old one when they said, oh, they, they had to cancel training and bring someone in. They found a white substance on the training pitch. And they had to cancel training for a, a couple of hours while the investigators went and investigated what it was. Mm. They figured it out. And yeah. It was the, the goal line. <laughs> Go away. Go away. You'll be, you'll be back on the bandwagon in no time. No, you worry. I, I was reading it going, whoa, whoa, what's happening here? And then I see that. I was like, oh, you got me. You got him. Got him. Yes. It is 22 away from eight here on SENZ Breakfast with Izzy and Ricardo. When we come back, it's learnings. We're going to learn all about peach volleyball.
learning will take those learnings. It's also the learnings you get. Yeah, I hope you'll take plenty of learnings. What are the learnings? There's going to be multiple learnings to come out of this. Being able to take those learnings. It's 16 away from 8 on SENZ Breakfast with Izzy and Ricardo. And yes, it is time for learnings and we are going to learn all about beach volleyball. Uh, and with a man who uh, knows it better than most, he's been an Olympic beach volleyball referee since back in 2012. And he is the main organiser of the current beach volleyball tour going on around New Zealand. Richard Kasut joins us. Uh, good morning, Richard. How are you? Yeah, kia ora. Very good, thanks. That's a story, mate. That's a story. Uh, beach volleyball. Uh, we, we, I, I guess we kind of get the basics of it, but how, how different is it really from, uh, uh, from the game it's derived from? How, how different is it, particularly from a refereeing point of view? Oh, well, a couple of things. It's two a side versus six a side. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, and you're running around on sand. I know that uh, Izzy probably did some rugby training running around the sand back in the day, and he was definitely not as quick on the sand as he was on the grass. Um, but basically I grew up on the beaches of California and Brazil and basically it was a social game that just grew and now it's become massive around the world with a world tour and uh, it's a very prominent sporting Olympic game since 1996 and yeah, it's, it's super competitive. Um, and here in New Zealand we've been playing pretty hard since I was a teenager actually. Back in the early 90s there's been a tour and it's ebbed and flowed with international teams from all around the world coming out and then obviously when money falls out, sponsors fall out but we've kept going. Um, and we're in the, about to start the second tournament in New Zealand um, in Auckland this weekend, of which we have two more national tour events. And then an international event, we'll hopefully have 18 to 20 international teams coming to play. Richard, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's, a hell of, it's a hell of a sport. It is tough because when you go for long runs along the beach, you tend to run close to the ocean because the sand's a little bit more firm. But... This is played in the soft sand, so you can imagine how your quads are firing, your calves are hurting. The size of the court, is it the same in terms of, of the main game, normal volleyball? Great great question. It's uh, slightly smaller. So 8 by 16 metres is a beach volleyball court, and 9 by 18 is an indoor volleyball court metres. So you lose a little bit of square metres. Um, mm. But still, our team's responsible for their side of the court, which is 64 square metres. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, the net's the same heights, um, most of the rules are almost identical, so yeah, mm. it's basically a two-on-two two, uh, power game, um, the, all the athletes, the key training is around Olympic lifting, and then there's that endurance factor of sprinting in the sand for maybe up to an hour, and actually our longest game of the weekend was an hour and 15 minutes, um, and it was a battle between our international teams, actually, we had a German-Australian team playing an American team. And they didn't want to give each other an inch, so it went on and on. And yes, the players did the hard yards in that particular one. Well, it's a hell of a tournament. The Beach Tour is back for 2024. You've had the first one in the mount on the weekend. And so our very own Kiwis, uh, Alice Zayman and Sean Apolli, took home first place in gold uh, in their respective outings. Mate, how, how's this tournament being perceived? Are you getting a lot of support and you head into Auckland? It's a big weekend in Auckland, mate. You've got the Caraca Millions as well. <laughs> well, hopefully some of those cracker millions come our way to the GJ Gardner Homes um, Beach Volleyball Tour. Um, it is a big weekend. Um, it was great that Alice and Shorter won, although to be expected, mm. currently in yep. the girls' side of the events, 
um, or the women's side, that's just as on teams, all our internationals for the females, Australia, USA, and Vanuatu, who actually beat Alison Shauna, arrived for the last two events of the tour in the finals. Um, but we're at the a beach centre in the North Shore. Uh, Morangi Bay is a little beach centre of six courts, and we're going to use Morangi Bay Beach for a court. Um, and basically the top 12 teams battled out in the Premier Grade, and we have a Division 1 team grade for those teams growing up. But Alison Shauna, uh, and for New Zealand teams, actually most of the teams of the world, it's a start of their progress to have a crack at the Olympic Games. Um, and they've all been on a break, so most of the New Zealand teams are a little bit rusty. Um, and as are the internationals, so you'll see everyone progress over the summer as they prepare for the international tour. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that actually, Richard, about the Olympics. Of course, uh, Paris uh, this year. I, I would have assumed this is this is why we've got you on, so you can teach us about these things. Uh, but yeah, I would have assumed they would have qualified by now, and you know, these six months leading up to the Olympics is prep. But but where are we in, in terms of having representatives at uh, Paris? And so the Olympics has 24 teams in it from around the world. The top 15 ranked in the world qualified directly, and then the winners of the Continental Cups. Um, unfortunately, Shauna had a pretty serious injury for most of last year, so couldn't compete on the World mm. Tour. And uh, Olivia McDonald replaced her and did it superbly well with um, Alice Zeman. Um, but they, the New Zealand teams, went away as a pair. It's sort of a Davis Cup style and won the Oceania title, which put them directly into the Continental Cup finals to be held in China in July. So you win that tournament in July, you go into the Olympics a month later um, in Paris. And we're hot favourites because we actually beat Australia and Vanuatu, who are the two teams ranked yes. higher than us at that moment in time in the Oceanias. And a bit of a shock for the Aussies. They've now got to go qualify in the semi-finals of the Continental Cup to come back to have a crack at us in the finals, um, as well as teams like Japan, China. I've been hosted in China. They love to host it because they're tough to beat in China. Um, and oh, I Thailand feel so the sorry for them. Major threats, yeah. Yeah, I feel totally. so sorry for them, Richard. Honestly, oh, cry me a river. Um, yeah. <laughs> We're not upset hey. that at all, to be honest. No. What about the pathways and the numbers in terms of beach volleyball in New Zealand? Is it a growing sport? Are you seeing people churning out and, and clubs being a part of it? Richard? I think he might have just lost us there. Did you, Richard? We we got him back. I know Robbie's frantically pushing buttons. Also, we might have, might have just lost him. It was a great question, though. Great question, is he? Yeah, well, it was just something like we have a ton of beaches mm. around the country. Um, this summer is better than last summer. Let's put that, <laughs> that there first. So, mate, last summer you know. was two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's how bad the last summer was. Yeah, and, and like we we actually do pretty well. Like Alice and Zeman and, and Sean Apolly. When I first got on air, we've had them on for uh, a couple of times, and they've spoken about the tours, the travel. Uh, you know, some scenarios that they've been in. They were in Rwanda, and they spoke about a situation over there. It was quite fascinating. But uh, they are the big names that tend to front every single time. And I think we've got Richard back. Are you there, Richard? Yeah, I'm back again. Not sure what happened yeah. there. Yeah, sorry about that, mate. Uh, Ricardo hasn't been paying the phone bills. <laughs> hey, um, <laughs> just, I'm just asking the question about the numbers and the pathways for beach volleyball in New Zealand. Are we seeing an increase because of how well we've been doing on, on the world stage? 
Yeah, I believe so. The the media that the mm. girls have got, and also the boys that are on the same mm. path. So the boys actually won the Oceanias as well um, with a new team. Awesome. So you've heard, probably heard of the O'Days that got a medal yep. in the Gold Coast, etc. And they just missed out on um, a medal in Birmingham. Um, the we've actually just had the interprovincial age group champs, and that was loaded full of teams down at the Mount, um, over 100 plus teams. And then we've just got registrations for the secondary school New Zealand Beach champs. And actually, it's too big to host at the Mount. Um, we need to set up 30 courts on the Mount Beach. Taronga Council aren't so happy about us. They've been super helpful, Taronga City Council, but there actually too many beaches, too many courts on the beach. So we've got to find more places for our kids to play. Oh. And so um, volleyball actually is massive at an indoor level in schools. Um, mm. One of the biggest sports behind the Māori Cup uh, with over a couple of thousand kids playing in a tournament. And we've seen that awesome. growth on the beach to go with it, um, which, is, which is great. Excellent. Now, Richard, listen, mate, thanks very much for coming on this morning. really appreciate it. I I, I was yeah. living and working down at the Mount in the, in the mid-90s. I remember seeing uh, when that, that first uh, wave came through, and it was it was incredibly popular. I know you were there as well. Is there is there a veterans circuit? Are, are you in showroom condition? Something that we can get you and maybe, maybe you and Izzy can pair up? <laughs> well, that, that's a very good chat, but maybe it's people like Craig Susu and Jason Lockett, the coaches, that run our national program, that be keen for that challenge. We've had a few sportsmen think they can play a bit of beach volleyball over time, but none of you to prove it. So, busy dang, ready for the challenge. I'm sure plenty of people will step up. Excellent. I've got bad knees, mate. I've bad knees. Sand's easy on your knees, mate. You'll be fine. Uh, Richard, <laughs> thanks very much. Good luck uh, at Mairangi Bay this weekend and for the rest of the beach tour as well. Appreciate your time. No problem. Thanks for the call. Cheers. You're listening to SENZ Breakfast, powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. It's a couple of minutes away from 8 o'clock here on Breakfast with Izzy and Ricardo. And uh, Izzy, the, I reckon the beach volleyball could be a go for you, mate. I mean, it's it's, it's low impact because there's so much sand, right? So it's it's the, you're not, not a lot of jarring. I reckon you need to be all right. I reckon this could be a second career. you got to jump, Rick. <laughs> I can't jump. You so there is absolutely no chance that Daggy could play beach volleyball. Oh, okay. All right. I can't even run around my son. <laughs> well, you don't have to run that much in beach volleyball. It's not a big you court. You've got to run heaps. Uh, so yeah. you, you watch them and tell me they're not running and they're not jumping. <laughs> you know, like, I could be that, that person that is five foot um, nothing mm. on a normal court and just a setter. And mm-hmm. just set things. Yeah. But, uh, other than that, there is no way I'm spiking anything. Oh, well, mate, you got the inspector gadget arms. You don't have to run too much. You just ch- chuck them out there. You'd be able to reach most things. And you got to get your kit off and show your rig. Oh. And uh, at the moment, yeah. Well, December would have been good. But yeah. Right now, give me a couple of weeks and I will. Okay. All right. A couple of weeks because they do have a round in Christchurch. So we'll see you there. Uh, looking, looking forward to that. Let's tee that up. Let's tee that up. Coming up in the next hour, Shane Jurgensen is the Wellington Firebirds coach. They've got a big game coming up against the Canterbury Kings. We'll talk to him about that as they look to try and cement a place in the Super Smash final. We'll catch up with Pauline Whitey and Bruce Sharrick as well. All that coming your way in the next hour. Right now, though, here's Johnny Mack with news for Kubota. Take on any job this summer with Kubota's range. Kia ora, good morning and welcome into the show. It is Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast on SENZ at a five past eight on your Wednesday morning. It is hump day, halfway through the week, halfway through the first week back. Uh, how are you feeling, Izzy? you feeling energised still? Yeah, feeling good, feeling good. Um, yeah, yesterday I was yeah, a little bit tired just getting used to the, the early mornings again, but I just think that's because I've been, um, haven't been doing what I was doing previously, so just got to get back into routine plan and 
and get some goodness back into the body, mate. But no, nah, it's been a good show. I absolutely loved it. We've been talking uh, all things sport, a bit of Marmite to boot as well, and I'm sure Shane would love a bit of Marmite. Well, Let's hope he loves Marmite. Well, the thing is that Shane originates from the other side of the ditch, so he might be more yeah. of a Vegemite man. Well, Firebirds nah. coach, Shane Jurgensen, have, have you renounced Vegemite for Marmite since moving to New Zealand? Good morning. Marmite, Marmite all the way. Good morning, guys. Marmite, okay. <laughs> My, my favourite thing, my wife makes uh, sourdough, bit of butter, marmite, and a bit of tomato on top, and uh, every now and then a bit of avocado. So, yeah, no, she loves the marmite. <laughs> Mate, you keep up the old avocado on the sourdough, you'll be having to move to Auckland. <laughs> <laughs> I've got two of them in my backyard, two trees, so I'll get spoiled. <laughs> oh mate, it's too good. It's too good. How how you how you enjoying uh, being the head coach of the Wellington Firebirds, mate? After so long as the uh, bowling coach for the Black Caps. Oh, well, reporting in from Wellington, it's absolute cracking day, and yeah, you're interrupting my morning walk. Um, <laughs> been listening to some, been listening to some absolute bangers. Usually, I listen to podcasts. That's what my kids say bangers these days. That's the buzzword isn't it, for a good song. But yeah, really enjoying this role. Great bunch of players, great staff, and great bosses. And yeah, it's been really fun. And you know, we've had a good Super Smash. You've had, yeah, it's really tested my, <laughs> tested my uh, patience internally. <laughs> but you got to keep a calm, calm. We've had a lot of injuries, a lot of players come and go. Great call-ups uh, for the Black Caps, of course. But also, yeah, numerous injuries that we've had to manage. But yeah, that's a challenge. And I've been really impressed by how our young players have stepped up. Shane, how yeah, how have you had to? How have you been able to deal with the, the players coming in and out? Because you've been a part of the the Black Caps uh, outfit, so you understand from a Black Caps point of view, you want access to the best players at those chosen times. Now you're on the other side. Does it frustrate you a little bit? But you understand uh, business is business. Yeah, you're right. You certainly have times where you sort of uh, when you wake up first thing in the morning and you look at the ceiling. So what's going to happen today? And you sort of lay there and reflect and want to, want to plan ahead. And, and that, I think that's the, the key is, I suppose, when I found out that I've you know, got this job, I was at this role, and I tried to plan ahead as much as I can, look when the Black Cap games are on. And, but I also see it's just a fantastic opportunity for um, some of the, as I said before, our young players to, to get those really valuable cricket playing opportunities. And I think that's what is really important is coaching I think at a domestic level is that you're actually developing players to become black caps and yeah you, you want to win trophies but and we all do that just is a bit of a given obviously I think and if you can provide you know really good cricket learning opportunities for these guys in different ways see how they can see the game in a different way um, and and see that that's what I'm trying to do and what my staff are trying to do with just you know great energy that they also bring to help me How's the how's the role changed, Shane? I mean, how how hands on are you? I, reason I ask this is I think I look at things like say uh, if you get past the you know the Kings, you, you got Auckland in the final. Ben Lister's guy, I know you'll know pretty well uh, how you know uh, much analysis you'll have in your head about the way he bowls, where his weak spots are that you can give your, your batsmen and things. Um, is that something you yeah. do, or, or or do you delegate all that stuff out now and sort of oversee everything? Uh, I think. To be honest, it's a little bit of everything because every game that I play, when I go away, I've got different staff and we try to share it around as much as we can um, within budget. Uh, but I think yeah, you're, still, you're still quite hands-on. It's, it's 
it's quite a busy job to be fair. <laughs> uh, later on this morning, I'll be printing out team sheets to take up to Hamilton and make sure I get the. I always get scared to get the team sheets wrong, but uh, which is a pretty bad miss. Obviously, if you hand that in the umpire next to the wrong name on there, he's not even on tour. So I haven't done that yet, but I've had to check myself a few times. But I think yeah, you, you're still quite hands-on, I think, in a lot of the planning around the opposition. And I think what sort of has changed for me, actually, is at the international level, you actually do a lot of strategic, tactical, you know, what are the options, what are the plan A's, what are the plan B's. I think uh, where I've had to learn is about providing the opportunity for the guys to understand their strengths. And I think that's where the big shift has been for me is, you know, these are young, you know, you got, I've got a mix of some players that are either side of 30, then I've got a lot of guys that are in their early 20s. And, you know, these guys are still learning about life, let alone, you know, cricket and um, how can they what strengths have they got, what shots can they play, what's their best deliveries when they're under pressure, and I think that's where it's, the shift has, has been for me. Uh, we've just had a message come through on double eight double three from Kenny. He's asked, can you ask Shane if he thinks Logan Van Beek would make the Black Caps team, in his own opinion? Oh, yeah, most certainly. I think Logan's proven that in international cricket. Um, he's done some fantastic performances. Uh, with the ball, with the bat, and obviously what you saw in the field when the ball was basically about to smack him in the mouth, he had the reflex reflexes to catch it one hand, and you know he's been doing that for a long time. So there's no doubt. I think if Logan had that opportunity to play for the Black Cats, he would certainly, um, you know, contribute. You know, have a valuable contribution to the Black Cats. Oh, we're just going to talk we opposition here. You've got one game potentially before you can take on the Aces. Well, you played the Canterbury Kings last outing. It didn't quite go to plan, mate. What went wrong and what, what, what conversation you'd be having this week? Yeah, I think for us, we on, on that game, we didn't quite execute um, as well as what we have in the past in previous games, and, and that's in all areas. Uh, uh, that was basically it, I think. And when you sort of, you know, in T20 cricket, when you just miss out on a couple of deliveries and... Um, and all of a sudden some misfields, all of a sudden you give your opposition potentially 10 to 15 runs, and there's a lot of runs, a lot of games decided by that margin. I think that was basically what happened in the end, and I think there were some really good processes for us, you know, if you want to look at the positives around the way that we, we batted. We had young, young opener Gareth Severin in his first game come out and batted beautifully, sort of set the tone and a foundation for us to, to go well with the chase, and big big Michael... Beast Bracewell come out and smacked mm-hmm. a few and got us a, got us ahead of the rate and then he sort of sort of just dropped off at the end and and that can happen and, and you know, it was credit to Canterbury they they played really well they got a lot of experience and yeah but mind you we're really looking forward to this next battle on Friday but I know the boys will be up for it and um, yeah we're preparing for that as, as best we can. What do you think about uh, the 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 venue right? So it's not a home ground for either of you right? You're playing at Seton Park. Who do you think that will better suit? Yeah, I'm not too sure to be honest. I think because I haven't seen the pitch yet, we don't we don't arrive until tomorrow, sort of lunchtime, I think. But I think for us, it it, it, may, it may suit us a little bit more. Um, I mean, they've got a lot of boys that have really good bounce bowlers, so it may suit that suit our batters a little bit more. Um, you know, with their guys Willow Rock, um, Michael Ray, they're quite tall boys that can get a lot of bounce and still get good bounce at Seton Park, no doubt. Um, and I think, yeah, it's just, I think it's really on the day, you know, from experiences of, 
you know, my very privileged experience of being in, in Black Cap semi-finals and finals, I think it's on the day is, is just who can execute the best they can and get through that pressure because there'll no doubt there's a lot on the line. And, and But I think for us, you know, if we can execute that little bit better compared to last game, you know, you never know, the result might be completely different. There's nothing better and no better sight than seeing Adam Milne running at him from the from the circle line and uh, bowling some absolute heat, mate. How's his body holding up? Uh, and it was great to see him back in the last match. Could we see Russian Ravindra back in the side as well? Yeah, Russian will be available for us. That'll be awesome with Milne. Um, you know, we've, we've got the ability to, to call upon those guys now that Black Caps are not available. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's going to be a fantastic sort of battle. Uh, that's what I'm really excited about, and it's also really great for our players to 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 spend time with those guys. You know, the more that they play for the Black Caps, we don't see them as much. So uh, you know, it's it's amazing from my perspective. You know, yesterday I was in the dressing room by myself. Russians walked in, and I said, "Uh, where have you been, mate? What's what's happened?" Oh, he goes, uh, "They always go to TJ Katsu's, I think, for sushi and." Uh, Next to me, he told me who went, and the whole, bu- whole bunch of them went from, from Conway to some of the young players, and that's what I really like about this group is they're, they're actually really good mates off the field, and it certainly helps and makes my job easier that they've got that connection already. Yeah, well, you, you mentioned uh, Devin there as well. I mean, is he an option for you? I know that he got rested for that last game because uh, he was crook. Uh, how's, how's he looking, mate? Is he a chance to travel to Hamilton? Yeah, certainly is, and uh, I think him and Ratchin are sort of working through things this morning, and we, you know, we're looking forward to those guys, um, you know, in the battle. And I think in the past, and you've asked me those questions with the Black Caps, I'm too, too scared to answer them. Yeah. <laughs> 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 don't want to give too much away. But I think uh, you know, it, it, like when it comes to domestic cricket, it's, it's still, you know, I think there's an opportunity for you know, this, for Devon to to play for Wellington, it will be actually absolutely gold. So. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, how, how we all get to go. We've got to get to know each other really quickly again and, and, and know our plans as a team. But, you know, I really trust the guys that, that put out their best performance. And, yeah, I think, uh, you know, having Devin in the room is always good, good, good fun, mate, because he's such a you know, beautiful young man. He's, he's so well-mannered. You almost want him to sort of be naughty sometimes, I think. And, uh, but he, he's such a great guy to have around for the team. So positive. Well, don't be scared to answer this, mate, because Gary Stebb wants to know truthfully how he's feeling. Tom Blundell, how's the hammy? Yeah, still working through that one. Uh, I don't, I can't really actually have too much to say on it, uh, yeah. but there's a lot of positive signs that, um, for him, and he's been training hard throughout. It's just sort of something that's hung around, I think, a little bit longer than what he wanted, and uh, of course, and I really feel for Tom. He's, it's been a bit tough for him because he wants to go full throttle and play and, and, and prepare for playing for either us when he's available and obviously the Black Caps is a very important series coming up. So I think there's some really strong signs and good signs. So, uh, you know, I think. But his focus now will probably shift towards those tests. Shane, who does the recruitment for, the, uh, for, for Wellington Cricket? Because I'm looking at this team, Nathan Smith... Obviously, out of Otago, out of Milne, out of CD, you got Logan Van Beek there, you got Beast, as you mentioned, Michael Bracewell, Ben Sears. I mean, there's a bloke in Nathan Smith that's probably going to play for the Black Caps in the near future. The rest all have or have played international cricket. Uh, you've you've knocked one out of the park for the season, haven't you? Yeah, I think um, 
Yeah, well, it wasn't me. Because <laughs> I didn't start till, no, till November, so I'll be quite honest there. Uh, but I think, you know, in the future, it'll be based around myself. Uh, I've also got two other selectors on my panel, and one of them, uh, my boss, Bruce Edgar, who's well well known in, in you know, Wellington cricket circles. Um, you know, it's such a great man to have to help me. Um and, and, and the rest of the group and is very positive around all the players and looks for their strengths and, and what and, and where they can have an impact and contribute with the Firebirds. So I think Bruce over the period of time has certainly been involved in that and obviously the previous coaches before me, um, DJ Watling, Glenn Pocknell, um, just you know, off the top of my head, but, you know, all those guys have had a, a great impact with um, Wellington cricket uh, over the period of time. Uh, you've got, uh, we mentioned the Kings uh, on Friday, yet past them, and then it's further north, Eden Park, uh, to take on the Aces, mate. The, uh, boy, you'd be hoping that Phil Allen, Finn Allen gets a rest, won't you? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I think he's done some with his back from all those sixes that he's hit in that last series. So uh, well, I'm hoping he has. Uh, but I think for us, you know, it would be, it would be absolutely awesome. Um, you know, two, two potentially big games for us. Um, you know, to go to Eden Park. I mean, what a, what a. You know, I think we're playing obviously on on Eden Park itself. I think so. Uh, I mean, I haven't looked too far ahead, but I'm really looking forward to this weekend. It'd be awesome to be able to to, to play against those guys. And I think that's what you want. It's these you know, great chiseling from New Zealand cricket. You know, you want all these players uh, that are with the Black Caps to be available for this these you know, this time of the year. So it's pretty awesome to have the the best players in New Zealand. Really having you know challenging each other, give it a real red hot go. Shane, just a question we we posted to our listeners yesterday, and we had a conversation about it. Super Smash, how do you find our domestic Super Smash T Twenty competition, and could you potentially see a day where we might have a New Zealand team over in the BBL Big Bash? Yeah, I, I think that would be awesome. Uh, whether it could be reality, and I think there will be a lot of people that would have concerns over the impact that would have on our Super Smash. So I think the Super Smash is a fantastic... Oh, I've been really impressed by by some of the cricket. You know, there's a lot of people working really hard in behind the scenes, and I think um, there's certainly some areas, and uh, we've actually got a meeting this morning to discuss scheduling and a few little different bits and pieces uh, over domestic season actually this morning at 11am uh, so that'll be a good conversation and it'll be a positive one from me but I think there's certainly some areas that we could improve and make it even more appealing for the public but I think you know there's been a big change in the, the way that it's broadcast and it's been awesome to go to free to air for everyone and you know to have that opportunity to watch cricket and I think what's, what I've actually really enjoyed with Super Smash is you know you're playing and you've got the, the women's game either before hours or after it and it's just been awesome. The Blades have been, you know, absolutely fantastic. Credit to the two coaches, Woody and and the head coach Lance Dry. You know, they, they're in the final already, and you know, it's been, it's like it's sort of, you know, really, it's the first time I've experienced it. I've actually really enjoyed it, and a lot of camaraderie, great support from the the crowds here in Wellington. So, yeah, I've really enjoyed that part of this experience. Uh, good stuff, Shane. I know we've got you out on your walk. When we started this chat, you talked about listening to a few bangers. Uh, as he's amping for the Foo Fighters tonight, mate, have you got any uh, any recommendations for him to maybe listen on the drive-in? Oh, look, you put me on. You know, one thing I'm not great at is quiz nights and particularly music, so I need my wife to help me with that one. But I think any Foo Fighters songs are awesome. <laughs> 
But uh, there yeah, goes my hero. <laughs> yeah, that one. That's a great start. That's great. You're not going to give <laughs> us another line there, Shane. No, no, I'm not. No, not, not for me singing. <laughs> the kids. I, I try, we actually got out the old SingStar on PlayStation over Christmas when all my kids were in, in town, and uh, yeah, I was. I, I came second or third, but I was disappointing. But you, I think for SingStar, you can cheat. So uh, you get the rhythm right and a bit of a hmm, it doesn't quite pick up on that. So that's my, that's my go-to. Yeah, sweet, mate. Hey, listen, sorry, that was supposed to be the last question, but somebody's texted through out of Wellington who's a big Firebirds fan and asking where Tim Robinson is at. Yeah, unfortunately, Tim will be out for a little bit longer. It's pretty devastating. And, it, yeah, that, mm. he's been, you know, absolutely brilliant the way that he's played. <laughs> that when he, the first game when he got the 140, I said to him, Ham, he looks up to me and goes, what do you reckon, coach? You know, 36 sixes in the top six. So that's his attitude. <laughs> he wants to hit it out of the park. And he's, he, but he's also got a fantastic technique and he's done a lot of hard work, you know, getting to know him. You know, he's, he's, he's done things that people haven't seen to really work hard and, and on his game and, you know, source, outsource some coaching and, and that type of thing. So, yeah, unfortunately, he'll be a little bit longer. He might be... Yeah, we're sort of hoping that maybe it might have settled down for the final, but unfortunately it, it won't be ready. So, yeah, yeah pretty devastating news. But hopefully in a couple of weeks' time he'll be back and firing for us in the Ford Trophy. Yeah, good stuff. All right, Shane. Now, listen, we will let you go this time, I promise. Uh, go, good luck against uh, the Kings <laughs> on Friday, mate, and hopefully we we'll see Thanks, you in mate. Auckland on Sunday, eh? Yeah, great. Great talk to you, gentlemen. Thank you. Cheers. Go well. Shane Jurgensen there, the uh, head coach of the Wellington Firebirds. He's a good man, isn't he? Great man. Great chat. And great update on uh, a couple of the Wellington Firebirds uh, stars and emerging stars as well. Tib Robertson, yeah, uh, hit the ground running. Well, put his name on the map. And, uh, yeah, he's just gone missing with a little bit of an injury. Great to see him back uh, potentially in the Ford Trophy. But good chat. Loved it. Yeah, loved it. Shane Jurgensen, head coach of the Wellington Firebirds. They're in action on Friday at Seddon Park. I think it's a 2 o'clock start against the uh, Canterbury Kings. Winner of that plays the Auckland Aces in the final. You're on uh, the SENZ Breakfast Show with Izzy and Ricardo. Powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. It is 8.23. It is 8.28 on Breakfast with Izzy and Ricardo. You can call us anytime. 0800 150 uh, Barry is uh, having has fired a shot across the bows here. Is he? I don't know if you've seen this, but he said, "Morning, guys. Are you starting Daggy's flopper again? <laughs> if so, <laughs> take the draw at five dollars ten. And the second test between Australia and the Windies. I had a look at the weather forecast. There's going to be a lot of rain and thunderstorms forecast. I got on at seven dollars thirty. Wow, that's 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 a good little tip there, Barry. And and on Daggy's flopper again. <laughs> you, you're not far off there, Bears. <laughs> Well, I think we'll we'll hit up Paulie Mwadi because I don't know, but I'm hoping because mm. Paulie's a generous man and, well, they're giving out so much money to everyone else, why not give it to us? So, yeah, <laughs> there you go. We'll ask the question. We will, and we'll ask the question real soon because Paulie's not too far away. We're also going to talk to Bruce Sherrick on our Love Racing update before 9 o'clock. Right now, though, here's Johnny Mack with news for Kubota. Take any job this summer with Kubota's range. 28 away from 9 o'clock. Check out the Grand Tour Hub at tab.co.nz. Bet safely R18. Paul Money Mawate on the line. Uh, good morning, Paulie. How you doing? Yeah, morning, guys. Yeah, cracker day down here in uh, Wellington. So looking forward to another big, big day as we get uh, ever closer to Karaka Millions Night at Ellerslie this Saturday. Uh, and, of course, 
the boys get paid. I've got a punters club, and there is still plenty of time if you want to be a part of that punters club uh, to deposit um, a bit of cash into that uh, punters club. And uh, I can tell you, they are going to have a good old go against the bookies on Saturday on uh, Karaka Millions Night. They've already had a bit of a go already. Um, I think they've got a couple of million-dollar bets lined up uh, and with a few more to come. So, boys, get paid punters club. Still plenty of time to get on uh, and be a part of it. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Bookies against boys get paid. How do you deal with it? Um, Paulie Mighty, there's a lot of uh, marketing going on, a lot of um, you know photos going out on the socials. 100k on Fagri uh, only, Leone, sorry, in the um, in the Whispering Classic on Saturday. If you lose that, that is 1.4 million dollars to the boys get paid. Are you still going to have a job? <laughs> I'll probably be eating mouse traps for the rest of my life. Uh, <laughs> Well, yeah, but I'd have to spread the marmite pretty thin because I don't think we'd be able to afford too much. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's going to be a really, really interesting uh, night uh, this uh, Saturday there up there at Ellerslie. Uh, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a huge battle, not just to be uh, boys get paid, but of course uh, every single bundle that's going to have a go because um, they have got some very, very nice fields lined up. Um, and yeah, already the interest is huge. There's been plenty of action in the futures markets, and the two-year-old, three-year-old, and the um, the four-year-old. Uh, what is it? The Aotearoa uh, Classic. So, yeah, uh, I, I just can't wait for race one to start at around four nineteen on um, Saturday afternoon. Oh, we're looking forward to seeing what market movers take place tomorrow because we've got the barrier draw tonight, so that'll obviously make some adjustments to the tote. Um, but we're at Maramara today. Have you got anything for us for today? Promotions, any wee lead-ins to lead us up to the big weekend? Yeah, we've got a bonus back promotion on the first two races from Matamata today, back to second and third. And I can tell you, there's been a bit of action in both of those races um, the favourite in race one, uh, Carly Al Farasha, uh, is the best back, three sixty into three dollars and thirty cents. But there's been a wee bit of action in the middle of the market. There's a couple that punters have come for. Number four, Jazz with Dragon, eighteen into sixteen, and also number fifteen, Auntie Cuckoo, thirty-one into eighteen dollars. <laughs> Those two are the second and third best-backed runners behind the favourite in race one. So money for the favourite, but there's, yeah, there's just been a, a, a wee bit of interest in the middle market. And number four, Jazz with Dragon, and number 15, Auntie Cuckoo. And in race two, they love, there's only one they want, um, it's the So You Think Philly, uh, inspired by art, uh, has two seconds to her name, um, and punters got on last start, and it looks like they're trying to make their money back uh, in race two today. Inspired by art, to be ridden by Woodamupin, uh, out of the Tiako barn, $3 into two seventy. by far and away the best backed in race two at Matamata today. Oh, mate, I'll tell you, we got a, we got a uh, tip through from Cam uh, in Cambridge uh, earlier today. He said race nine, Wainui Bay, 
and I had a look at this. It was paying 18s and 4s when he tipped it out. It's into 14s and um, $14, $3.30 for the uh, top four now. It was uh, $4 for a top four. Andrew Forsman horse. Uh, you heard anything, mate? Uh, I'm just having a look. at. Uh, I can see that the boys have taken a bit of uh, money on Wainui Bay and Race 9. Uh, Billy Jacobson on. Uh, yeah, Andrew Forsman. So, okay, so... You're getting oil from someone up in the sort of the Waikato region um, yeah, for Cambridge. a runner out of the Waikato. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that sends all sorts of um, alarm bells going off for mine. So, <laughs> yeah, why not? But I will be watching. It's got the ace drawer, so Billy should be able to uh, get her to sit exactly where he wants. Um, and we'll be, I'll be very, very interested to see... Uh, how this race un- unfolds over the 1,400 metres today. Um, Wainui Bay, well, well, well. We'll put that one down as an Izzy tip, I think. <laughs> Speaking of Izzy's tip, or Dagger's donation, or Dagger's flop, whatever you want to call it, are, are you in a giving mood? Are we going to continue that on tomorrow? Have I got Dagger's flop for a wee multi? We're going to get someone paid. Oh, look, if, you, if you're back, Izzy... Then, then we'll have that going. It'll be ready to go tomorrow. Don't worry about that. Yes! Excellent. Thank you, Paul. That's what we want to hear, Paulie. That's what we want to hear. Uh, now, we've talked plenty of uh, GGs, mate. What about sport? Anything on the sport front that you want to cover off today before you shoot off? Uh, the Australian Open, of course, we've got bonus back promotion uh, on men's and women's singles matches. Um, basically place a pre-match uh, head-to-head bet. And if uh, your player loses in the deciding set, so that's the third set for women, fifth set for men, uh, you can get a bonus bet up to $50 into your account. I'm just having a look at one of the quarterfinals later on tonight, the big game between Carlos Alcaraz and Alexander Zverev. Uh, Alcaraz very, very short there at $1.19. Uh, look, he's looked very, very good this tournament so far. He's only dropped uh, one service uh, game throughout the whole tournament. And his second serve points have been sensational. Um, he's made the semifinals all better in his last four Grand Slams. I think he's just way too good for Alexander Zverev uh, tonight. And I think he does it in straight sets. So under 37 and a half games uh, for the match at around $1.83, I think is a good way to go. But, yep, Carlos Alcaraz, hopefully we get to see that dream final uh, uh, this weekend. Yeah, be all over it, mate. Sounds, sounds good, Paulie. Go well, mate. Have a great day. Come on, Wainui Bay. Yes, go, the, go Wainui. Go, go the Bay. Just go the Bay. <laughs> there Cheers, we go. Paulie. Cheers, Paulie. Uh, Paul Mawadi there with us uh, for our, our regular TAB catch-up. Check out all the odds, promos and boosted odds on the Grand Tour Hub at tab.co.nz. Bet safely, R18. And just before you get away to uh, Bruce Sherrick, a text through. Uh, good to see you back on the New Zealand Open, Daggy. Try not to think about that par five too much, mate. Good to hear you lads back on the airwaves from <sighs> Jeff. You may. It's a wrong course. That course was uh, Clearwater. Yes, the par five when I shot 13. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah, cheers, Jeff. Uh, up next, Bruce Sherrick joins us. It is uh, 20 away from nine. It's a quarter to nine. 0800 150 811 or double eight double three is how you get hold of us. Loveracing.nz, your home of thoroughbred racing. Joining us now, Bruce Sherrick to talk. Uh, what has been a big week in racing, Karaka Millions, of course. Uh, the big slot race, the NZB uh, Kiwi coming up as well. Morning, Bruce. Been a good week uh, for the racing industry, hasn't it? 
Yeah, look at his guys. It's been uh, monumental, really. Uh, it's something we've been working on for probably three months, three and a half months. So it was great to see it uh, finally come to fruition and, and be able to communicate to the industry. So extremely positive and just ahead of uh, Correct Money, and as you say, and the sales, the NZP sales. So, uh, yeah, really, really good. How'd this come about, Bruce? Um, March 2025, we're going to see a $3.5 million race that's going to rise to 4.5 by 2027, mate. And, and how are the owners? I know you, your brother's a, a very good trainer in himself. He'll be chuffed with this. Yeah, look, to answer the first one, is he, I mean, you know, how'd it come about? The, the short version is on June 1 when Intain got the keys to, uh, I guess, take over the TAB. What we do know is we've got a a five-year window, which is closing out of four and a half years, to ensure that we improve the industry uh, from a revenue perspective, so that we can continue to underpin the sort of stakes that we're talking about now. Now to wait until year three, four, or five to to do something is incorrect, in in my view. So we very quickly uh, got engaged with them. We started to understand what their key drivers were, and collaboratively, and with TAB NZ, uh, sort of come together with a with a concept where it became very clear that the summer period for New Zealand is a period that we need to really re-energise and capitalise on. Not not so much all, it is domestically, but equally around Australasia and globally, we need to raise our flag and sort of say we're a, a genuine uh, world-leading racing organisation. So that was where it all came from. And then the detail of, you know, it's like moving a whole lot of chess pieces around to try and make it fit, get the sequencing right. And then clearly the slot race was just a cherry on the top where, you know, I think like anything, mate, and you'll know this from sport, to have those aspirational days where, you know, it's the big time. Um, we all like that and the racing industry continues to need that and we just thought it was timely uh, to have a slot race, which not only garners support from the industry but public, uh, as we've seen yeah. with the Everest. I think 5,000 people went the first year, some five years later it's 45 and you can't get a ticket. So <laughs> it becomes a, a big event. Was it an easy decision to keep it at New Zealand bred only horses? Was there ever an inkling to maybe potentially allow world horses to be a part of it? No, look, I think that underpins what we, we want to be a little bit different and we wanted to yep. recognise and reward our breeders here. Um, mm. It doesn't mean if a horse is offshore, if it's in Hong Kong, if it's in Australia, it can, it can yep. come home for the race, but it has to be New Zealand bred. So we wanted to keep it uniquely Kiwi and we also wanted to ensure that uh, with a three-year-old race we were getting a, dif- a different set of horses coming through every year because if you get a champion take a winks type horse it lines up every year and takes the gold um, so what you're getting with the three-year-old race is you're getting different horses every year which again in our view gives us a whole lot of new interest every year about you know who the leading three-year-old's likely to be the breeders would be happy about that decision too won't they <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And look, we, you know, it's we're part of the whole ecosystem, guys, and we've got to we've got to yeah. start working collaboratively together. And I think we're making headway in that space. I think everyone's understanding that the more we work together, the greater the outcome. If we operate in silos, uh, we, we don't go where we need to go. So, you know, sometimes some of the decisions don't quite sit well with one particular group, but we need to take the view of what's best for the industry as a whole. And uh, I think we're slowly getting there. Is on the industry as a whole, this is you probably. Oh, we had a question yesterday, like this is looking after the big fish, you know, potentially looking after the big racing up in Auckland. Is there questions and concerns that 
with doing enough for the industry as a whole. When I mean that, like the small, I know the racing yeah. stakes in the, in the smaller regions have been increased yeah. a little bit. So I guess, yeah, look, I strategically go back to the decision mm-hmm. we made when Intain took the keys and we had some minimum funding guarantees uh, for five years. Uh, the board and myself took the view that we needed to um, provide uh, some real genuine uplift in stakes for everybody. And that's where we put a 30% increase into the stakes for this season, 23-24. We believe now, for the next period of time, that we need to strategically look at how we can grow the pie to spread evenly across the board and just keep minimums coming up and group races coming up and listed races coming up. It's not the answer. The answer, in our view, is to target growth so that that pie grows so that we can redistribute more to everyone, clubs, participants, the whole lot. So it's it's more of a strategic approach. It's not to say that the minimums over over coming years can't increase and improve because they can, but we need to grow the pie. So you know, and even saying that is, it's not all about Auckland at all. Yes, the slot race will be run mm. at Auckland. Why wouldn't it? They've just spent forty million or fifty yeah. million doing up their track. <laughs> Why wouldn't we use the best thing we've got in our country? So that's that decision. But you know, we've gone down south. I mean. Wingatui have had great success with their uh, Southern Mile series, and we've recognised that and rewarded them with, you know, they will have the big day on that day in New Zealand. There'll be no other uh, feature meeting that day. So it's going to be a huge day for Wingatui. Yeah. The CD's recognised, uh, Waikato's recognised. So we've got to race our best races on our best tracks with our best horses and our best jockeys. It's that simple, and, um, you know, that's the focus. Bruce, yeah. you, a few years back, I was working uh, for the TAB in, on, in a broadcast sense, but for the TAB directly. And you know, the, the conversation there was, uh, there's no, you, you can't squeeze any more out of racing, and all the growth was in sport betting. Um, but it feels like in the last couple of years, maybe that has changed. Uh, have you noticed the demographic of racing fans change in the last couple of years? Yeah, the data's light at the moment, but yes, anecdotally, yes. Um, you know, the one thing we do know is working with Entain is we have to grow our account holder base, and whether that's through sport or through racing. But equally, we know that uh, thoroughbred racing is six times more likely to acquire an account holder than anything else. So that's why we're working strongly together to try and grow that. Um, and look, I do, you know, anecdotally again, um, and we need to get better at collecting data, but through the summer series, you know, places like Turanikau, um, Kumara, uh, Ascot, um, Curel, Telpo, the, the crowds were huge, um, you know, and so we're really pleased with that. And I think that's also, maybe it's a, it's on the back of things like the Grand Tour where the presence and prominence has been noticed, and they weren't Grand Tour events, but, you know, people saw racing back on their radar as a day out and a, and a place to go and have a bit of fun. So, yeah, it, it feels like there's a real momentum shift, that's for sure. Awesome uh, conversation we've just had with you, Bruce. We appreciate it, mate. Just quickly, uh, Mr. Didgeridoo, what's the plans for Didgeridoo, does he? <laughs> Jesus. I w- hey, I wish he was two or three again. We might get some money. <laughs> the sad, the sad mate, you'd be happy with that likes first it, season. He likes it wet. He likes it wet, <laughs> mate. So he's hardly going to be running in the summer of carnival racing. So uh, we'll see what he comes back like. He's, uh, he's in the paddock growing steadily. So I'll leave it to the boss to tell me what happens there. Uh, good stuff, Bruce. Appreciate your time, mate. Uh, go well, and we'll catch up with you again soon, eh?
Thanks, team. Appreciate it. Cheers, uh, Bruce Sherrick there, the CEO of NZTR. That is your Love Racing update, loveracing.nz for your thoroughbred racing news, previews, replays, profiles and more. We are seven away from nine. A couple of minutes away from nine o'clock, Daniel McCarty is going to take over shortly and uh, run the cutter through till midday. Uh, Daniel, this morning we were talking about uh, a bet lost by an influencer uh, who was dating uh, one of the American tennis players at the uh, Aussie Open. She, I mean, she had to eat a, a jar of uh, Vegemite. Uh, so we got the old Vegemite versus Marmite debate going. Which way are you going? Only the big issues on uh, Bricky, mate. Only oh, the big you issues. You know it. You know it. What's well, Vegemite? And let's end this conversation. Oh, mate, you need to tear up your uh, your citizenship, Leave. mate. That's, that's, that's an Australian product. Leave what the are country. you doing now? Well, I have I I, I have a fine palate. Obviously, <laughs> you two do not. Fine palate. From the on the I'm from the cultural capital of New Zealand. You might be aware of with a fine well, dining. Cuba Street. <laughs> Cuba Street. Come on, mate. It's not just one street, mate. It's just littered with wonderful places. Uh, Daniel, what's coming up on the show today, brother? <laughs> Oh, I don't know now. I'm completely thrown. <laughs> uh, uh, we'll talk. Uh, Millie Clegg is off to uh, the big time. Mm. Uh, Jacob Spoonley, regular contributor, of course, Sky Sport commentator. But he's uh, part of the New Zealand Professional Footballers Association. Uh, we'll talk about the context of that. Uh, we're going to go to Bulgaria. We'll, what, what's, what's the one thing you think of in summer? Ice hockey in this country. <laughs> We've got a, a team competing at the Under-20 World Cup. Uh, we'll catch up with their head coach. Uh, and much, much more. We do hope some calls after 9.30. That, that's me saying please. 0800 150 811.